At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Strange Familiars is brought to you by 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You can find them at sithappens.us. It is the day before Halloween. How are you, Allison? Are you feeling appropriately spooky? Just cold. <laughs> so on this very special Halloween edition of Strange Familiars, we have kind of a jam with the Monster Fuzz guys. We read some old newspaper articles. From your the, respective homelands. <laughs> in the Strange Familiars way. I found an Irish wild man story from the 1800s. They read a story about an Irish witch, and I read a story about witchcraft in our area, right here in the Susquehanna Valley, Pennsylvania. Between the two, I'd say ours is a little bit creepier. <laughs> is it a contest now? No, no. It's it a, just it's, legitimately is creepy. Yeah, the witches come and they're licking blood off of a a skinned horse hide. It's very, very creepy. People get hungry. By the time this goes live on Halloween morning, the Witch Cloud project will have gone live for everyone on Bandcamp. Patrons got the notice on Friday. We're recording this on Saturday. I think there's three copies of the record edition left. So the first edition was the book, record, patch, sticker, trading card and there was only 50 records so probably i'm guessing by the time this goes live records will probably be gone but maybe maybe, maybe not there's one left <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you can run and, and get one yet however the edition number two is all of that stuff less the record and the trading card so you still get the book the patch and the sticker and the download of like i said if i did my math right it's over three hours 
of audio associated with it. You can find that at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. The second package is listed under a CD, even though there's no CD with it. That's the only way Bandcamp would let me list it as a pre-order, so you would get the download when you bought the book. Bandcamp is very kind of focused on bands. They're not up to date on uh, podcasts and audiobooks and the other things that I plan on using Bandcamp for. So just a note to everybody, if you order that second package, it actually doesn't come with a CD. It's the book, the patch, the sticker, and the download. So you get the audio, it's just not in CD. Yeah, you, you get all the audio, but uh, I didn't want somebody to order that thinking they were getting a CD. It's just listed as a CD. It's not an actual CD. So I, I put a note on Bandcamp to that effect as well. Hopefully there's no confusion there. But again, that's the only way to do it. So you, you can purchase the book now and get the download when we release it. So this is a shared podcast with Monster Fuzz. It'll be published on our feed and theirs. Just a note to Strange Familiars listeners, I know we usually try to keep things PG-13 on Strange Familiars. The language the Monster Fuzz Boys use is a little more adult than what we normally use in Strange Familiars, and that's fine. It's a special edition. It's Halloween, but just in case anybody was listening with their kids, I wanted to give you a heads up before we got going. Make sure to give Monster Fuzz a follow. You can find them at monsterfuzzpodcast.com. You can follow them on all the podcatchers, wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go ahead and get to our Monstranger Fuzzmillers talk here. And I suppose, like, who wants to take the little first few words? Uh, who wants to do that? We, welcome to Monstranger Fuzzmillers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Monstranger Familiars. Yeah, that could be it. This is like, yeah, Fuzzmillers. Yeah. Fuzzmillers. <laughs> so this is kind of the Halloween club then, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so for our listeners and your listeners, I suppose we should explain that we're going to do a few spooky stories to get people in the mood for Halloween, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I found a story from, from Ireland. Oh, oh. Lovely. Lovely. I'm going to let you read because I'm not pronouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like the pronunciations in Ireland are even difficult for us. Like we, we get our balls busted all the time for um, uh. there's some Irish words that we might get wrong at times. And people are like screaming at their uh, phones or whatever they're listening on when we pronounce them. So uh, it's not just you. It's us too. <laughs> so at, just complete curiosity. Growing up, like coming mm-hmm. up through school, how much is... Irish Gaelic part of your education, if at all. Like, oh, a hundred percent. Like we do it every yeah. day. Oh, really? And yeah, every day. And we we're just. I don't know if it's the way it's taught or what, but like it just doesn't stick with us, right, Emma? Yeah, I think I think it's partially that that the way it's taught. The other part is that it doesn't really help you at all in terms of your career, unless you want to be a primary school teacher. It's not really applicable. So for a lot of us, we just sit there for an hour and don't take it in. And then you do that for like, geez, Rob, what is it? Like it's, it's effectively uh, 14 years. years. Yeah, 13, yeah, 14, 14 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like almost daily. Uh, and yeah, we, we can't speak a fluently now. My girlfriend is fluent. Um, she, she's Primary she's, school teacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see. And fluent, so there you go. So so it's a the teachers usually are pretty good at it, you know. Mm. Um but it's Halloween, lads. Are you feeling spooky? Always. 
Always spooky thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job. I have to yeah. stay in spooky mode at all times. We're the same. Yeah, we get we get a lot of these stories and stuff coming in now, and and definitely it's two feet are going into the spooky camp now. We had a great story um, about uh, a guy who he was staying in his uh, in this house. And he was in the, the, the bedroom at the top of the house and it was quite enclosed in and he used to sleep there and he had, um, he'd lie up and look at the ceiling and he'd hear the scratching in the ceiling and stuff like that. Mm. And he noticed like the, the fixture, the fitting was gone and there was a bit of wire sticking out and stuff like that from, from where it would have been at the top of the, the ceiling. And he later found out that uh, the creepy thing about it was he later found out that someone had actually hung themselves up in that bedroom and he thinks because it was such a small enclosed bedroom that from where they hung themselves would have been where they were scratching at the walls Ooh. so i made this totally dark spooky story you know um so we're getting all this stuff sent to us now we were like we never heard anything like this before <laughs> was that the one you were i, I haven't listened to all yeah of the, today's the recent mini fuzz mm-hmm. okay yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in today's. It's a great story, and, and yeah, it was uh, really, really spooky. Yeah, I, um, I got to the beginning of it, and my wife came home, and we had some you know business stuff we had to talk about, and I, I put it on pause, and I didn't get back to it before we started recording. It's good. It's good. Definitely give it a listen. It's it's a good one. But got a question for you guys. We're gonna we're gonna ask now, and this is one Tim. I'm I, well, I'm curious there about these actually because I don't think I know first ever Halloween costume that you can remember. What did you dress up in? So this is a bit of a synchronicity because I, yeah. I saw the the clips from your <laughs> your recent uh, video pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spider Man. It was Spider. Was it Spider Man? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. But so in, three Spider Man in the room in the seventies and eighties. I don't know. Yeah. They, they had these costumes that came in a box. Right. And I really disliked him as a kid because I I wanted to look like Spider Man. Yeah. So what these would be would be like a plastic suit you put over your clothes. And a, oh, and, a, and a plastic right. Spider-Man mask. But on the suit, instead of having, like, Spider-Man's uniform, it was a picture of Spider-Man on the suit. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, so as a kid, it was like, no, no I want to look like Spider-Man. I don't want to, like, Spider-Man doesn't have a picture of himself on his chest. But th- th- <laughs> those were the costumes back in the day. Did, <laughs> did you have that stuff there? Like, where you well, just go in the drugstore well, and buy a, a costume in a box? Well, Mr. Fancy Pants there with a Spider-Man costume. Uh, well, mine and Eamon's probably the same, but I, I'll give you mine first. It's, uh, I was dressed in a, a, a black bin liner, like a trash bag, and um, they would get coal dust and rub it under your eyes and on your cheeks to make you look like a zombie. <laughs> so, so God knows what kind of skin problems I have now from having coal dust rubbed <laughs> on my face, but that was common enough. Like, Eamon, what about you? Yeah, exactly the same. I, the, the oldest one I remember is my sister wanted to be Shira, and I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll be He Man. Um, and basically, <laughs> we both wore bin bags, <laughs> and, and my sister just wore Wellingtons with her bin bags. <laughs> that that was. It's like, oh, she's Shira. She got the boots on. That's fine. Go get some get some sweets, kids. Yeah, she was fancy then with the boots. I mean, oh, very fancy. That's, that's <laughs> my sister's always been fancy, you know. Another one is: Have you ever gone all out with Halloween and really put in effort? Um, um, one year, um, my 
So let me explain, first of all, the Spider-Man. I was number six of six kids. Right. <laughs> By the time I came along, oh, okay. my parents didn't have energy to like do no. some kind of homemade <laughs> costume or anything. It was yeah. like, you, you get a costume in a box, kid. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in my college years, I was friends with these uh, super creative people mm. who, uh, whose parents didn't really give a damn what they did to the house. Oh, nice. That's always a plus. Yeah. So nice. they would make their own haunted house every Lovely. year. And, I mean, they would go all out. There would be just the whole yard would be turned into this thing. And they kind of make a path for the trick-or-treaters to come through. And they'd, they'd build coffins and stuff to, mm. to put people in and, and pop out and scare the kids. And it was right. uh, with them. They, they, one year they made me into this sort of, uh, uh, you know, killer in a, in a burlap bag mask kind of thing. But it was really like all out, like, you know, fake blood and, and everything. It was, it was quite the, the uh, event. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Emma, That's what awesome. did you do? Um, I I think the Spider-Man one is probably one of the more all adventurous. I did. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely adventurous to wear a skin tight suit, and <laughs> go around go around Dublin City. So I've done that. Um, the only other one I did was I probably similar to your burlap bag, uh, Tim. I did the scarecrow from like Batman Begins. So I, remember I got that like one. a burlap bag yeah. and I cut it out so it was like a real um rustic kind of a bag sort of a thing for a mask and then I just wore a suit with it so I kind of look like the scarecrow. But I, I know I know that both of ours pale in comparison to what Rob is gonna say was his best Halloween outing. Because <laughs> I know I know what your best Halloween outing was and it, it looked majestic. Yeah it was well I kind of regret it as soon as I did it. So like I'm a big Star Wars nerd and I seen Darth Maul I, I used to love him, even though the, the, the prequel trilogy is kind of, yeah, whatever. I enjoyed it, but most people weren't mad on him. But I found, yeah, Darth Maul, I was like, I love that guy. He's like the coolest looking dude. I'm going to try and do that whole costume. I think it took me, no joke, and a friend of mine um, is big into Halloween too, and he dressed up as the clown from American Horror Story, I think, mm-hmm. and um, Twisty, I think it was. And so the two of us both basically did full makeup, um, bald caps, the works. Like, um, <laughs> And it was my first time ever putting on a bald cap and doing the face paint and stuff. But I think it literally took us three to four hours to get ready. Um, and then we went out to the nightclub and stuff. But it was cool because like people were taking pictures with us and stuff. So it was a, it was a cool buzz, you know. So you got a kind of a kick out of it that I didn't even expect to come, you know. So you had that picture up on instagram yeah, or somewhere i right? did yeah, yeah i did yeah okay yeah. So, yeah that was it was a good job good job yeah yeah sure is. yeah no i was one of those ones where i probably never will do it again so i'm like yeah i'm sharing that every year <laughs> every year it comes around i'm like yeah i'm gonna share that thing <laughs> um, nerd out yeah. a bit here you know where they treated i thought darth maul very mm. well in the um the clone wars cartoon series I see. I I haven't watched him yet, and I've heard great things about him. But it's just one of those things I never sat down and give him a try. But I, I I'm familiar with what happens to him and stuff, and he gets the legs, the robotic legs and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they, the way those, I think it's because they're episodic. Some mm. of those stories are just you can toss them out. But some of the the ones they did in the Clone Wars, I think, kind of work better than some of the movies. Honestly, there's some mm. really good stories amongst. You know, you kind of kind of filter through, and some are good and some are not, but they have some really good storylines in there. It's the same as the games, you know, like Knights of yeah. the Old Republic is a fantastic Star Wars game, and, and it was because they just sort of steered the series away from the usual type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, a- well, well, that's it, I guess. I guess when you don't have a studio that's kind of pumping money in and expecting results back, you have a lot more leeway. Like, I was even playing... Um, 
Force Awakens and you mm. go to, I believe the planet is called Drathamir or Darthamir or something like that, but it's got all the Darth Maul lads oh, yeah. are there. Um, which I is think that's cool. name, yeah, Darth Maul lads. Darth Maul <laughs> lads, I believe. Yeah, the race is just, oh, there's <laughs> the Darth Maul lads hanging out over there. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. So we've got the costume. Now here's one. This is a, we'll show the generational gap here, perhaps. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you first seen your first horror movie? And can you remember what it was? I, I have no clue. It it had to be something. So they would play horror movies on Saturday on TV. Mm. And it had to be something like that. And I'm thinking, like, I know, I love, like, the, the Christopher Lee Hammer vampire movies mm, yeah, yeah yeah I, i'm thinking it was maybe one of those and like i was a scared kid so i would just scare the bejesus out of myself watching this <laughs> stuff. but i would yeah. constantly watch it constantly watch it so i'm thinking it was it was probably something like that it could have been something even more cheesy that just whatever came on tv but i definitely have early memories of those christopher lee dracula movies we, yeah we kind of i'm not sure whether you know as the technology improves i don't know whether they became better at scaring kids or was the result the same? Like, did you get the same buzz out of watching, say, a Christopher Lee Hammer Horror as I think my first horror film was like Alien and I was way too young to see it. Mm. I was like totally terrified. <laughs> it, like, <laughs> it was in my nightmares for years after I seen it. But I had this strange fascination to go and watch that stuff over and over again as a kid. I wonder what that is. There's definitely something psychological to it where you see something that you're not supposed to see and it does scare you, but you're trying to like G yourself up to go back and watch it again or see something like it again. Terminator yeah. was another one that kind of scared me a little bit. Terminator one and two. Yeah. I don't re- I remember uh, one of the Friday, the 13th movies was uh, I watched it way too young. I was way yeah. too young to watch yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, we got a, my parents got a VCR pretty early. So we would, rent these movies and and there was no supervision as to what we rented whatsoever no, no, <laughs> it was no. just, they did not care what uh, we rented so that was one i watched probably way too young and i remember that one bugged me a good bit just it, mm. it was more like things that i thought like you know there could be a dude under your bed you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, with a machete, yeah you know uh, totally yeah no i remember um I think the first one that resonates with me, I definitely saw horror movies before, but the first one that traumatized me was we went to like a sleepover when I was 11 or 12 and we watched the original It movie with Tim Curry as the clown. Oh, that'll do it, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, it was like, and it was only the first part. I don't think, I I can't remember if that it was like, because it was VHS, so if it had a do, two VHS set, you know, because mm. that movie's like three hours long all in. Um, but I used to have bunk beds, man. And I used to just, I used to sleep on the top bunk bed and I would just imagine the clown's face just slowly <laughs> rising up. Oh, you know geez. what I mean? And it just, it was with me, like it was in my mind. But uh, that, yeah, that that certainly, that movie, that movie stuck with me. But what stuck with me before movies even, I don't know if either of you guys remember, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, yeah, TV classic. Show. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that used to be on Network 2. It was like half five on a Tuesday. And I would literally just hang around with my mom afterwards for the rest of the night, like doing dishes and stuff. And she was like, he's so nice on a Tuesday. He's so like <laughs> docile. And I was so scared after watching it every Tuesday, you know? Yeah. A Goosebumps was even a bit creepy yeah. at times. And that was very for like kids, you know? Mm. Great books as well. Yeah. Shout out R.L. Stein. Absolutely. And then like, because R.L. Stein, like he got that really clever stuff where he started like, you choose your own scare. 
you yeah. are the arbiter of your own horror <laughs> from now on, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, those choose your own books or the, the adventure books, they're a pretty cool thing, actually. Mm. Kind of yeah, for, you'd kind of forget about them. Yeah, they, I always thought they, there'd be some way to like update them in, in, a, in the internet age and make something you really cool. see that cool. Black Mirror? That, that episode of Black Mirror that was choose your own adventure, kind of. I've not watched any Black Mirror. I know I, I keep Tim, the thing. I, come on I know, now. I know. I have to watch it. It's one of those yeah. things. that's like on the list, but it's oh. so good. Even if you the the beauty of Black Mirror is you can just jump in and watch one or two. Like you yeah, don't yeah. have to binge. It. Every story is a standalone experience. It's, it's like if the Twilight Zone was directed by David Lynch. Like yeah. it's it's super uncomfortable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I, I've watched a couple and just been like, I really shouldn't have watched that in right. my current emotional state. <laughs> like they're, right. they're very bleak, very, very bleak. It's kind of yeah. There's a bit of there's elements of sci-fi horror to it, I yeah. suppose yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah it's, sure. It's, it's got that kind of buzz and really good social commentary and stuff. Yeah, but it's, mm. it's a good watch. So next question, folks. Well, wait, wait, wait. Before we get off oh. horror movies, right? What did you got a favorite? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it'll change between a lot of them, but I like it, the Alien series is, is one of the first ones I was exposed to, and I really do love it. But I do love some of the the. I, do you know what I really like? Actually, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Mm. You, good, yeah. I, I thought that was. You see, myself and Eamon were of an age where the Romero zombie flicks. You know, while they were great, they were a bit corny because yeah, we we were yeah. sort of like a bit mm. older, and then. And then, so when the remake came out, it was kind of what we were looking for. It had it had the Romero script more or less. I know they changed it in places and things. That kind of the idea was the mm. same, and it was modern, so it had modern gore, modern. Now there was a few silly parts in it and stuff, but I I enjoyed that one. I thought that was a really good flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, no, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is brilliant. For me, I love the, the movie series Halloween. Mm. Uh, Michael Myers is a like the villain of my life if i have one thing that scares me more he's literally if i'm if i'm stressed out about something i will have a dream about michael myers just (laughs) chasing me like i swear to god it's sometimes the dream isn't even my perspective it's like a camera it's like a movie and i'm just there being like oh shit i better hide in the closet um but uh the for me i love even when it starts to get really dumb even when it goes into like Halloween six and there's a druidic curse on him and he has this tattoo and they try to like do laboratory experiments on him and stuff like there's something about Halloween and it's all that's like a choose your own adventure because you can there's four different timelines of movies that you can be like all right I'm like one and then I'm two and then I'm this one or I'm the first one like the, the most recent one is the first movie and then you have the last two sequels then there's the middle one where you have the the, the first six movies and then nothing else after that but I, I love the character of Michael Myers I, I think he's I don't know it's terrifying and because there's it's there's so much mystique about it you know yeah. I love that they've never really explained it except in the Rob Zombie ones which maybe lessen the, the fright a little bit because of that mm. Mm. So my favorite is it's kind of stretching the definition of horror a little bit, but th- this right. is actually my my favorite movie of all time, Night of the Hunter. I don't think I've seen it. Mm. Go run and see this movie. It's made in 1955. It's a black and white movie. Oh, okay. It was this director was a movie critic. Um, he made one movie, Night of the Hunter, and basically he these uh, other directors. Uh, were saying Charles Lawton, I think is his name. Mm. These other directors were saying, you know, because he was writing these critiques of movies, and they said, you know, 
if you think you know so much, why don't you make a movie yourself then? Mm. And he did. And it's damn near perfect. It is an absolute masterpiece of very weird, very creepy. Um, It's Robert Mitchum plays this kind of preacher gone bad that shows up in these, at these people's houses. It's a a long story. I won't give it all away, but uh, Mm. he's very, very creepy and basically haunts these two children throughout the movie and, and stalks them. And they end up, uh, they end up, it's during, uh, it takes place during the depression in America here and they end up at, at this woman's house who's just taking in all these kind of lost children and stuff and, and he comes along and and this old woman has to deal with them. Uh it's Lillian Gish, a silent movie actress, but you know, she's much older at this point. And it's just it's just fabulous. It's just such a stunning movie and my I absolute s- favorite wow. of all time. Still holds up today, yeah? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing like it. There's nothing mm. like it. A lot a lot of those movies from the fifties really do hold up today like like old twilight zones i mm. i'm i love and maybe it's because of the way they shot things because of the lack of resource that we're used to now but it yeah i i, I totally agree. some of those 50s movies are just perfect the way the way they're put together the way they're composed do you know what um frightened me actually it just popped into my head when we were talking about it invasion of the body snatchers mm. That really spooked me. The, I think it was a remake that maybe came out in the eighties. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, I seen that when I was way too young as well. <laughs> I think I think we rented it for like one of my friends' ninth birthdays or something. And uh, I think there's a nude scene in that, and like his mom came in and like, you know, what's going on here? Eh? Um, but yeah, it was that that film really terrified me. I think it's films where you think where no one is safe and they can all transform and you don't know who to trust. Mm. Like the thing is a great film yeah, for that as well. Fantastic. Um, it, it, it really gets into the sort of the psychological aspect of it. Cause you just don't know who to trust. And I think that makes for a good film in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, one of the, the ones that stands out in my head is we rented the exorcist to the heretic for right. kids. And no one knew we had read it was like 18. So to get it from the video store, I was the tallest one. Clearly not, <laughs> clearly not 18, but the guy, the guy didn't care, you know? Um, but uh, we rented The Exorcist too. We watched it. We kind of made fun of it because like, it's not a bad movie, but it's just so much character driven. We were looking for the schlocky, more Friday the 13th kind of stuff, you know, because we were, we were kind of that age. But I remember... Um, we had to keep it for the night before we bring it back to the video store. And I went back to my parents' house or whatever. And I put the video under my bed because I knew I'd get in trouble if I had like watched The Exorcist 2. And all night I was just thinking that like some demon would come out of the video. Like I had transgressed in some way <laughs> and things were coming for me. But yeah, I remember that vividly and a sleepless night. Nice. Yeah, that is pretty spooky. When, um, I, was, we have, when yeah. I was a little kid, I used to, so we, I lived on a farm in rural Maryland, and there was one library that was about five, six miles away. And we would always go to this little library. It's just a tiny little library. Um, it's pretty much the, the size of like the, the kitchen in my house now. It's just this mm-hmm. little tiny library. And they didn't have much in there, but they had this series of books called Man, Myth, and Magic. And I would I would get them out, and I, I blame these books for for making me into the weirdo I am today. <laughs> I, I I was like five six years old, and and my mom, you know, I, she's very Catholic, but mm. no rules as to what you're allowed to read. Like right. reading yeah. was okay, like anything, mm. 
anything you could read pretty much they did there was some things uh, when i got into some some adult comics uh, a little bit later that she was a little, <laughs> little, little worried about heavy metal i don't know if you, you get, or metal hermit, yeah you know yeah, some of those were, were a little but uh, they didn't ban them they didn't tell me i couldn't have them but they they weren't too pleased with it but no. as far as books they didn't you know it was kind of like whatever read you know go ahead and read so i would get these out and it was a, an encyclopedia of just weird stuff so it's like you know everything from you know apparitions to, through zombies and, and everything mm. in between and all these like weird religions a lot of on witchcraft and stuff and you know i'm a little kid and i stayed up all, late all night I, I don't know why i've always been a night person i would stay up late in my room drawing mm. and i would look through these books for inspiration you know I'd, like you draw these you know monsters and demons and stuff mm. and there was a uh article in in there on demons and it had these these different these old etchings of demons and i think one of them might have been beelzebub or something is like half fly mm. like this half demon thing yeah yeah and it's it's a summer night i've got my window open and, you know i'm i'm reading this book and i hear something in my room and it's just just this huge moth but somehow i've convinced myself you know as a kid i'm looking at this picture of this you know this fly demon thing that <laughs> that this moth is somehow you know some some sort of demon in my room and and i've got to get it now i, I will say as an adult i love moths and and i i do not hurt moths and and i spent many times collecting them and it's one of my dreams to actually uh discover a new species of moth cuz i would get to name it Oh, nice, and, nice. And, but uh, so I'm very fond of moths now. But I, I, I could not abide this. This moth has scared <laughs> scared me so much as a kid. I, I smashed it. You know, I'm so worried oh, nice. about <laughs> being, being a demon. So, uh, uh, but I was so scared me, by yeah. that book, just so creeped out by it. Yeah, moths kind of spook me, man. I don't know what it is about them. I wouldn't kill them or anything, but they do spook me. Uh, I don't like them flying around the room or anything like that. I don't know what it is. They can get super big as well, which yeah. is like where it gets scary. You don't see too many big ones over here, mm-hmm. but um, when you do see a big moth, because and, and and that's a way with moths as well. Like they're kind of cute as well. Yeah. Some moths look really cute, and then some of them are like, "This is a giant hairy fly thing," and I, I hell creature be yeah, It's in my blood to be nervous. Yeah. <laughs> there are vampire moths. Right, not not, not yeah, not anywhere where we live, but uh, I think in some tropical places there are vampire moths. No, that is legitimately well, yeah, terrifying to that's, me. That's enough, yeah. Which is a great segue, by the way. Before we jump off this topic, to just let everyone check and uh, to know how good Midnight Mass is, because we've been talking <laughs> about it. Like, I feel like we're sponsored by Midnight. Yeah, we should be. We should be. We we talked about it quite a lot on one of our episodes, and. and we were talking with Tim about it beforehand, but isn't it just such a great show? Mm. Oh, I, I it just, really is fantastic, yeah. fantastic! It's so good. I've I tried to get my my son is very particular about what he watches, and right. he has he has very good taste. Okay. I tried to get him to watch. It's like you, I said, I'm telling him it's character driven. You will like this. It's good. <laughs> the, it's it's yeah. I I found it excellent. I, I like Haunting of Hill House. I didn't see mm. the other ones that that mm. uh, that director did, but. Yeah. But this I liked even more than Haunting a Hill House. It, that, I I, I agree with you. Like I <clears throat> I watched Haunting a Hill House. I absolutely loved it, man. It had me in tears one or two times because it was so character focused and there oh, was yeah. so much yeah. tenderness. It wasn't it wasn't like it was obviously a, a haunted kind of spooky show, but so much tenderness in so many of the characters and so much stuff about family and regret and trauma and uh, you know that that was so good. But I have to agree with you about Midnight Mass there's a certain tone to it and maybe it's because it it sort of leans in a little bit to the 
I don't know. I don't want to say anything because it might yeah. ruin it for people. But but I, I I totally agree. I preferred it more. But I I thought Haunting of Hill House was was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was excellent, excellent. But yeah, yeah the, and you know the the so there's the big bad guy, and then there's the 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 you know guy who who may or may not be a bad guy. There's mm-hmm. there's so many layers to the characters because yeah, you know I think I don't think the priest was always making you know selfish decisions i think at at, you know Mm. the way i read it he was kind of at times doing what he thought was best and then it just things just went sideways yeah 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 like it was all informed and that's and that's the great thing about that sean i think that's where it really excels is sometimes what can really make or break a piece of like scary media i suppose is when characters behave like without any common sense that happened in um the second Prometheus film, like it's a team of like researchers and scientists and, and all this stuff. And they basically behave the exact opposite as a team of those people would do. Like they land on an alien planet and they all walk out without any helmets on or anything and just start walking <laughs> around. And like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, scientists and people that go to space even now are so concerned about contaminating the environment that they land on, even with the rovers and things that they, they clean them down. And they're very careful about how to sterilize everything. And these guys just walk out of a spaceship without any helmets on, sort of, you know, they're kicking grass and like, you know, <laughs> pulling down trees and yeah. stuff. And it just doesn't make sense. But Midnight Mass, uh, almost every character, what they do makes sense. There's nothing yeah. that raises an eyebrow and you go, hang on, this is the exact opposite of what I was expecting from this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I would I would also say, and this, maybe this is a little bit divisive, um, did you watch the movie The Mist with like Tom yeah. Jane and... So I, I love that movie, but I know there's some people who are like, fuck that movie. <laughs> but I, I, I like that there, there's some real, uh, what would you say? Like, like cookie cutter characters to an extent, but I, I did love the feeling of that movie, the claustrophobia. Yeah. The, the, you know, but again, that, that is the only reason it's coming to mind is because the two religious zealots reminded yeah. me of each other. Uh, albeit the one in midnight masses is, is, you know, it's it's not as extravagant let's say mm-hmm. but um the yeah the two of those reminded me a little bit of each other but midnight mass yeah to your point it's it's just it, it it's it's almost perfect I would chef's say. kiss mm. chef's kiss yeah, mm. yeah it's, chef's kiss yeah. worth the investment of of time for sure it for is sure. yeah so even if our listeners there are looking for something to watch today on halloween even if you start it, it'll definitely get you in the mood it's um it's definitely worth the watch mm. so We've done movies, guys. Favorite scary book. This was something that I had to kind of go back and think about because it's been a while since I read a spooky book. Mm. Um, Tim, have you got uh, any that jumps out to mind? Well, you know, I I read a lot of Clive Barker and and mm. Stephen King and stuff mm. um, when I was younger. You know, if you were going to say like choose something straight horror, I'd probably just choose like a, a Poe collection or something. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. But overall, I'm going to choose the Mothman prophecies, which is Ooh, by John Keel. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. True, but in, to me, that's very frightening. Like the, the mm. that book is, if you really try to inhabit like the character of of you know John Keel in that book, it's not a character. I mean, it's a true story. But say you mm. know you, you try to put yourself in his place and in in place of the people that were experiencing those things at the time. It's it's you know it's quite disturbing especially if uh you believe as i do that that uh, these things were actually happening mm, mm, yeah that mm. is spooky emma what yeah, about yourself yeah. um 
the the one that I enjoyed the most was a collection of short stories by Joe Hill, like Stephen right. King's kid, I think. Uh, but the, the book is called Twenty First Century Ghosts. Um, it's a it's a scary book. There are there's parts of it that are scary. There's a there's a short story in it called Black Telephone, which mm. I believe they're just making a movie out of now, and it's meant to be fantastic. You know, it was a, it was one of the standout stories of the book as well. But the story that I liked the most in that book, it's more of a bittersweet romantic story. Mm. Uh, it's the title story. It's called Twenty First Century Ghosts. And I'm just going to say now, spoilers, I'm going to give the whole story away. So if you want to read this, you know, skip ahead a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically the idea of it is there's this old cinema that an old man sort of owns and, and works in, you know. <clears throat> and the whole thing is about this this person seeing a ghost in the cinema. And he's it, it goes into a lot of his backstory about his brother going to war and being killed. And there's a, it's real. There's a, It's quite dense for a, mm-hmm. for a short story. But at the end of it, it talks about the old man and that he's basically had a relationship with this ghost, um, spectrophilia, perhaps, okay. but uh, a relationship with this ghost. And they, they, he really manages to describe the feelings of love really well. And they talk about this old man sitting in the cinema watching his final movie and this apparition of a young woman giving him a kiss. And then that's like the kind of final thing that happens to him. And there's so much build up to it and there's so much nice character focused stuff and it's written so beautifully it's it's a really it's a really special story like even outside of a horror short story it's just a it's a really fantastic short story in and of itself yeah i like them i'm gonna go old school and say like bram stalker's dracula i really Mm. i read that when i was about 13 i think and i really enjoyed it and that kind of stuck with me and you know what else and it was about this age as well i think that's kind of when i stopped reading spooky stuff was the the books and they're kind of like they are kind of like trashy pulp fiction type of stuff but um the resident evil books uh-huh, yeah yeah i read them when i was like young and I, I think i was the right age 12 to 13 uh, what was it escape from caliban Cove? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they, they actually did give me the willies when i was reading them as a kid mm. so i think they they achieved what i wanted from them they gave me the spooks um but other than that i don't think i read many Spooky things later. I read some of the Arthur Conan Doyle stuff when I was around that age as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, was the Lair of the White Worm? Was that him? Um, but yeah, those were good. I enjoyed all that type of stuff. Yeah, I skipped over Lovecraft. Mm. I, I I very oh much yeah, yeah Lovecraft. Racism aside, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Lovecraft. Was he was he a, a raging racist? Was he? Yeah. Oh. Didn't like the Jews. I believe. <laughs> 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 he didn't like much of anybody. <laughs> if, if, if you weren't a uh, New England Protestant, I think you were okay. a subhuman in, in, in his mind. But uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. I I find it because I I was reading Lovecraft it's it's man it's kind of hard the amount of adjectives and adverbs and everything that Mm. he uses but the 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 mythology that he created with cthulhu and riella and nagora and all these things you can barely say man that that stuff is so cool like i i love that i was i i um I played a game called The Sinking City, which is kind of steeped in love th- Lovecraft mythology. But the, the way that he, that cosmic terror. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I love I love that. But I, I must admit, I find it difficult to read sometimes, which is probably just because I'm a dense individual myself. You know, so it is what it is. <laughs> no, I was trying to think as well. Um... And the, the original Frankenstein, you brought up Dracula. Yeah. The, the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. 
it's so not modern, right? So yeah, it's it's if you're expecting like a modern horror tale, you're not going to get it. But the story itself is very creepy. Like you know, the the guy yeah. just builds this monster that that just haunts him for the rest of his life. I mean, it's, yeah, that yeah. is like really really creepy. And when you consider you know when it was written. Uh, you know what was happening socially at the time and so forth it's it's mm. uh, it's very very interesting but it is yeah. it's for as a modern read it's it's a little weird i think there's you know mm. there is there is elements of that as well i remember reading um mary shelley's frankenstein and and feeling like a a lot of pathos for the monster himself oh yeah he was so sure. lost you know yeah. I think there's, but yeah to your point there's a lot of nice you know, I, I think that's great because we think of horror and we always kind of think of like, oh, here's the big bad and he's coming and he's going to take everything. And I do love it when they kind of humanize and they have a compassionate view towards the monster, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like old King Kong vibes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other, you know, you were mentioning the New England Protestant buzz. Do you, do you remember that in the, the sort of the story of the New Jersey Devil, how like Ben Franklin sort of had um, beef or the Jersey Devil, rather, with the um, the family that were involved with that whole story. It was pretty funny. I can't really recall yeah, it properly, but remember. Yeah. it was the it was the almanac that they had like rival almanacs or yeah. something. Didn't they? And Ben Franklin was like making fun of this guy all the time in mm. his almanac. I stumbled his... across a podcast that was it was a genealogy podcast. Right, right, and. My my wife's family does genealogy, and so I was just kind of flipping through the episodes just to see what they did. But I didn't listen to it. But they had a whole episode where they got into the, the Leeds family ge- genealogy, which is nice. Mother Leeds was supposed to be the you know the mother of the Jersey Devil. Mm. Yeah, Jaffet and all that was another fellow, wasn't he, from that story? Jaffet Leeds, I think, was the yeah, name okay. of the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have to go back and find that podcast and listen because that, that would be interesting to see someone who actually did the genealogy on the. Yeah, podcast. yeah. Send yeah, it on yeah. because that no. that was a big part of that story. Like oh, yeah, the genealogy. Yeah. I rem- I remember us talking about that though on, on the episode, and it was like it was like Def Jam between two <laughs> two nineteenth century politicians or yeah. whatever. You know, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was entertaining. It was good. Here's a fun little question for these lads. You're in a horror movie. Are you the final girl, the first to die, the comic relief, the skeptic, the smart one, or the killer? Mm. Um, well, I'll, leave, I'll let Eamon take that one first Eamon, what do you reckon are you the um, final girl the first to die the comic relief skeptic smart one or killer I, I have a feeling I'd probably be a combination of of <laughs> the final girl the first to die the comic relief <laughs> and the skeptic <laughs> I'm definitely not the smart one or the killer you might be um, the smart you know you're definitely if it was me and you you're the smart one so you might be him depending no, on no I, I think I think you're I think you might be the smart one in that you're like we need to leave and I'm like no we need to understand the killer so we can rehabilitate him <laughs> well that's true as well yeah I suppose there's levels there, right? <laughs> yeah I don't know I'd, I'd like to think that when when the things are spooky I'll try to make a, a little wry joke to, to keep the spirits up. Right. So I might go with comic relief, which in essence means I'm the one that smokes weed and gets killed sort of First. midway through the second act. Yeah. That's yeah. where I go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even Tim, what are you thinking? Oh, it's really hard because mm. so before that thing happened with, with the raccoon and my son, yeah. I couldn't have told you what I would do in in a situation like that. Right. The one good thing that came out of that situation is, like, so I've been in fights and stuff as a kid, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But in like a real situation where I was like, 
you had to step up and you had to put your like I had to put myself between the raccoon and my son. I had to take care of that situation. Mm-hmm. Before that happened, I never n- knew for sure. I mean, you you hope you hope you will do the right thing, right? You, yeah, like yeah, I hope yeah, I'll be the yeah. hero and stuff. But you, I, I guess I just never really knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when the, the chips were down, I did. I stood up. I was like, I was like, I, I got to face this thing down. There's no one else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's me or or my son, and it's not going to be my son. So I'm going to do this. So that's kind of changed my perspective. It's like, you know, I still get spooked on you know, when we go out and do this stuff. Uh, but I also have like a sort of confidence, like, okay, I can, I'll just handle it, whatever comes mm-hmm. up, you know, which allows me to do these things. So what does that make me? Not the skeptic, because I believe everything. I'm, my wife yeah. will tell you. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, when you got when you messaged me about Davy the Snail, you were like, "Where is this Davy the Snail guy? I got to interview all these people at Wexford." <laughs> I was fully ready to go. Just full strange familiars on that. I'm like, this. These people are around. They're, these these they still are there. Some of these witnesses are alive. I can find these people. Yeah, so for context as well, for Tim's listeners, um, there's a character sort of on our podcast called Davy the Snail, and he's actually based on a real person, but we turned him into a cryptid um, where where I wrote an episode in the style of the usual cryptid episodes we do, and we we tr- we basically acted our way through the episode and pretended like all this actually happened, and it was kind of a homage to our hometown because we used a lot of like our friends who are regular listeners, mm. we used the, their names, so these are all real people from Wexford. And um, it came out really good, actually, and people enjoyed it. But it was when you messaged me about it, it was so funny. You were like, "I gotta find out." I was thinking, like, "I gotta find out about this guy." You know? Is this good. really? Ha- I mean, there's people around who, and, I, and yeah. I'm thinking, like, is, is this like literally? So- they saw someone a snail, or did this just like, some kind of slimy gray alien thing? Like, what are they talking? About? You know, so, oh, nice. it was funny. I gotta get the description from the witnesses. Yeah, I was, I was all in. So, so yeah, I'm, I am not the skeptic. For sure. <laughs> uh, first to die, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'd like. To I don't think you're, you're a big dude, Tim. You'd be all right. You're definitely not. I, I'd say you're going to. Uh, you might be. You're going to be up there. I'd say anyway. You're either the smart one or the fine one. I'll, I'll give you that compliment. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I don't give my wife and son joy. I don't know. I'd say I'm probably going to be the comic relief. I'm probably going to get my ass killed fairly quickly. Like, but I'd make a joke about it on the way, you know. Mm, I, I I think you'd have a good bit of fight in you. I've been. Or, I've, you're, to, you're a fight. You're a fighty kind of a man when you need to, to be. Yeah. To be fair, like I've been in, like I was on the roof of Loftus Hall before, and that didn't really spook me. Um, I've been in a, a few spooky places, and and I didn't really get the willies, you know. Um, so yeah, I do all right in that situation. Mm. So maybe, like, it, maybe, but I feel like if it was if I was in like the Alien film universe or something, I would just like yeah, just kill me. You know, I, I wouldn't even yeah, want to survive. Just <laughs> yeah. like yeah, which is which is another nice segue. Well, aren't, into... aren't you aren't you alive though? When they put the eggs in you, don't they just like put you? In- oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and you're yeah. up in all that kind of weird sort of stuff they put on the walls. That's- yeah. Yeah, so in a way, yeah. you do survive till the yeah, end. That kind of happened. Yeah, until it bursts yeah. through your chest, you're alive pretty much. Yeah. Didn't that happen in uh, Resurrection? There was a really annoying guy in it, and he, I think, got taken fairly early on. But Sigourney Weaver's character actually found him towards the end. He was in, like, the Queen's Nest or something like that, I think. Oh, that was the one where the the alien-human hybrid, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 like, bit him on the head. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 that was... Man, that alien-human... Thing I didn't like that. Do you that know that? Had, do you know that edited out? Here's a bit of trivia about that film for you. That actually, to make it even more creepy, had 
male and female genitalia that were massive on its like stomach area. Right. And and it like I've seen the unedited ver- versions of it. And it's just, it's bizarre looking. Mm. I think they just edited it out because it was like too distracting. They were oh, like, okay, right, this right. thing is crazy enough looking. Like we don't need to add more stuff on top of it. I, but it was, it was I, terrifying. I must say in terms of uh, spooky movies sort of, because I thought you meant there that maybe it was there, but you don't really notice it, but you notice something's off. Yeah. But in, I watched that documentary on The Shining and uh, they were showing the amount of stuff that Kubrick was doing to unsettle your subconsciously. Oh, yeah. So they did stuff where like Danny walks past the fridge and the magnets are in a certain, you know, a certain way or whatever. And then when he walks back in the shot, they've been changed. So subconsciously, you're like, something's not right here. But you're Mm -hmm. you're yeah, you don't you don't pick it up. You don't figure it out. And there was so much stuff like the the room that Jack goes into for the interview. There's a window there. But based on the structure of the hotel and the way it looks before you see it, it couldn't have a window because it's in the center of the hotel. Ah. so again subconsciously your brain is like this something's not right here something's not right here and it just leads that that feeling of kind of like the uncanny or like what's going on you know it's a fantastic they did a lot of that that with uh haunting a hill house too didn't they like yeah i was about to say the ghosts in the background yeah yeah you don't really you can't really make out but some part of your brain is probably like wait a second what was that yeah yeah Messes with, messes with your senses but it's uh, another one here which is kind of related to it and it's our last question before we get on to the spooky stories if you got trapped in a scary movie which one would you go for hmm. like what universe would you want to be trapped in I, I, I mean I suppose you're going to be looking for something that's not too creepy and like sort of manageable, mm. uh, especially if you're trapped in it. My yeah, initial so. thing, the first thing that popped into my head was Halloween because it's kind of really well, things don't get crazy until a certain point, right? So, I mean, as, at least your daytime. As, <laughs> as, lo- as long as you can like have a brisk walk once a year, you can mm. probably just outrun them, just like, oh, it's Halloween night. I got to walk at a moderate tempo, you know, I just, just keep walking. Um, I get that. Here's my my answer though would just be Candyman, and I just don't say it five times in front of the mirror. <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. That's a pretty good one, actually, Tim. Have you got anything jumping to mind? Definitely not a zombie movie for me. No, hell no, Sam. Probably nothing like Aliens. I don't want to. Yeah, be yeah. food for anything. Um, you know, if I was younger, in my mm. my younger days, where where I was a um, less of a uh, married man, say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have chosen the Wicker Man because I, I kind of like what was uh, going on in, in the background. All the pe- pagan <laughs> sex people <laughs> going around the place. But, but uh, as things go, there was a movie in the eighties called The Company of Wolves. Uh, uh-huh. very. Oh yeah, I know that one. I know that was um, Irish director. I think did that. Really cool movie. Yeah. And it 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 kind of bounced back and forth through time, and and uh, you know generally a werewolf movie, but with a twist. But it was very kind of decadent and and, and you know elegant and and gothy and mm. stuff. And yeah. so so I, I I let me have that. I'll go there. 
All yeah, right, cool. Midsum- Midsummer would be one that wouldn't be very good, actually. Yeah, and that's kind of got the pagan vibes about it as well. But yeah, that one takes a turn fairly quickly oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. it yeah, is that not, was a I slow mean, burn, but it, but a good slow burn. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it was a roller coaster, very intense film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It just it got it got crazy. It's a film we always reference all the time for that mm. bizarre sex scene. But um, yeah. it was it was a complete because like I hadn't watched a lot of good horror films. In in, in recent years, I'd sort of been just watching TV and and, and not really following cinema at, at the time. And I jumped back in with Hereditary and then Midsummer, and uh, yeah, they're very good flicks. Mm. Very good the, flicks. Those art house sort of spooky movies, like The Witch as well. They're, mm. they're ga- they seem to be gaining a lot of ground now. Yeah. Oh yeah, which oh, is oh, really cool. Yeah, A Field in England. That's one of my absolute. Haven't favorites. seen. Oh, them. that's the black and white one. Yeah. With the, Yes, 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 yes. That's that is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, and again, more of a psychological thing than a, a straight mm. horror movie, but but very very disturbing and very very interesting. Like just the way it's mm. done, it's very really really for cool. sure for sure. That's the one. And actually, you know, I don't want to say anything because I feel like I'll I'll give away things. I was mm. going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Keep it keep it strong. Yeah. So are we on to stories then. One. Let me go back yeah. to Halloween just out of curiosity. Right. So, and this is just pure curiosity. You know, mm-hmm. me growing up here, you guys growing up there. What was Halloween like when you were kids? Did, did, like, so here, you know, basically, I'd get home from school. Again, I lived in a r- very rural area. Mm-hmm. I'd throw on my costume at about you know 5 p.m or you know maybe my mom would make me eat dinner and dinner mm-hmm. was always at 6 p.m at our house always 6 p.m 6 p.m so maybe she'd make me eat dinner first but right away i'd, I'd run out and i'd start trick-or-treating now rural mm-hmm. area there's you know acres between houses i would walk miles and miles <laughs> and knock on every i would go back these so i was alone like you know once i was the youngest of six and once my my brothers and sisters were no longer interested in trick-or-treating you know i still was mm-hmm. No kids my age in the neighborhood. So I would go alone on Halloween and walk back these like dark drives to these farmhouses that were like, you know, a half mile back into the woods and knock on their door. And these people like now as an adult, I I, was like. Can't believe I did that because it's like you know here comes a knock on your door in the you know nine o'clock at night on Halloween <laughs> and it's just some little kid with a bag you know a lot of these people didn't even have candy they're like oh uh, let me find something for you and you know they run <laughs> off and they give me a dollar or something you know or you throw a quarter in my bag but <laughs> I would just go and go and go you know until I I you know I was done but uh, a couple times I went with my friends to their neighborhoods. They lived in kind of neighborhoods, and that was always mm. incredible because you'd come home with a you know trash bag full of candy. They just mm. you know had big events, but uh, yeah. So what that was it? You know, I, there was spooky stuff, and and you know we tried to do spooky stuff, but there was it was very much like that Halloween night when you were a kid. You go out and get get the candy. So what was it like for you guys? Um, for me, anyway, it was. It, I would say that you know Halloween here. Uh, funnily enough, Hall- Halloween when my granddad was a kid was called Cabbage Stump Night. <laughs> and, this, and, and he was literally telling me the story. I was laughing my ass off. My granddad was born in, I think, 1935. And uh, in, in Wexford Town, here was, you know, he would have been in, I suppose, every area wasn't really affluent at the time, you know. Um, 
But they'd basically just chop the head off a cabbage and throw it at people's doors and run off. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that was their Halloween at that time, which, which is interesting uh, because you kind we of think, fun. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It's like one of those Abe Simpson stories. Yeah, yeah. But as because you think you go, right, as further we went back, you would think it's closer to the sort of the pagan influence, the sow, and you think it's it's more like that. But I actually, I think... In modern times, we've discovered all that again, and we're going through a, a sort of a, an experience of trying to renew interest in Halloween and Samhain and all that. But for me, growing up, it was very much the Americanized Halloween. I would say trick or treating, um, you know, lots of sweets, lots of candy, and door to door stuff. You know, we all like we had pretty bad costumes and things like that, but. It was, yeah, same thing. We'd have like bin liners full of sweets by the time we got home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Eamon, what was it like for you? Um, it would have been similar enough to yours. Yeah. The, the only thing is you had like, <clears throat> you had people who gave, you know, you had the fun bags of sweets or whatever. They give you a couple of pieces of, of candy or whatever. But there was the other people that gave you monkey nuts and pennies. Ah, they were the born You know, ones. and I was like, I remember... I don't, well, I don't remember this, but my neighbor told me about it years later. Uh, so we went right to my next door neighbor and I was like a tiny little kid. My mom was going around with me. We were, we were doing the trick or treating. And so they gave me whatever. I think they gave me an apple and some monkey nuts. And I walked back to my mom and they were still looking at me as I went away. And apparently I looked up and I was like, mom, they didn't give me any chocolate. <laughs> I was super upset about it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think uh, for me, it was very, very, very similar to yourself. Uh, you just go around and you have a bag of sweets and you're nearly vomiting by the end of the night because of how much you're eating. We did the Bob for apples and all that stuff as well. Yeah, I remember yeah, doing yeah. that where you're nearly dr- drowning trying yeah, to get an apple yeah. that might have <laughs> yeah. a bit of money in it or something like that, which is absolutely gross when you think about oh, yeah. it. Like, <laughs> so disgusting. Mm, like, mm, a manky coin in, in COVID the times, it's the worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah. There was always oh. the house that gave out pennies. There was always the house that gave out mm. toothbrushes. That was toothbrushes, always, really? Yeah. Toothbrushes. We yeah. didn't have that. Yeah, toothbrushes oh, or, or little little things of toothpaste. It's like, okay, we get it. You're, you're yeah, that's a busy body. Yeah, yeah, that's a busy body type there of was, thing. To do. There was <laughs> one house, and and I became this the, the person who lived there. I became friends with him in high school. Yeah, but uh, he went to a, a private Catholic school, mm. so I didn't know him when when I was you know trick or treat age. Uh, but they would go away every year. And their house was about, I think, you know, three quarters of a mile or to, to a mile away from, from the farmhouse where I live. Mm-hmm. They would go away every Halloween and they would leave a bowl on their front porch with a sign that says, take one. But <laughs> they would have the full size candy bars, chocolate oh, nice. bowls, like not the little ones, full size ones. So it was literally a race for like. <laughs> to get there before anybody else and the first person who got there took the whole bowl and dumped it in their bag of course yeah. uh, I, I, that's that's brilliant i saw a funny meme earlier today it was like death comes to to get an old woman at her door you know and uh she opens the door but it's halloween halloween night and so she thinks it's just a kid dressed up and she holds out like a, a bag of sweets and he's like, Margaret, I have come to take your life. And he goes, holy shit, full-size Snickers. Never mind, Margaret, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I don't think I got the full-size ones. No, no we, we didn't get those over here, I'm afraid. 
Oh, no, I mean, they they were that. rare, but uh, you, mm. you, you remembered the, those houses, and those houses <laughs> never got their windows soaped or anything. You know? Yeah, I remember a bit of delinquency as well, for sure, um, as maybe a 12 to 14-year-old, maybe 15-year-old. I think there was a bit of delinquency, you know, setting off mm. fireworks and, mm, yeah. you know, maybe a bit of vegan was going on. I, I can't really remember, but I do remember being up to no good. You see, where I used to trick-or-treat, there was a, a pauper's graveyard right beside it. And so it was really spooky if you went through this pauper's graveyard. It's still there to this day. It's actually not far from my house at all. Loads of unmarked dead in there. And I thought as a kid growing up, I was like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, probably like 10, 15 people looking at the size of the place because uh, it's not very big. I'll send you some pictures sometime um, when I'm going through. Uh, but there was hundreds, I think, oh, right yeah. there. Yeah. Well, not piled a- in. We did a story early on in the podcast. Of, there's a potter's field here in York. Mm. And uh, Barnum came through with the circus. And one of the, the cannibals died while they were in York. Uh, he was a, a little person. Mm. And mm. the so-called cannibals, quote-unquote cannibals. Yeah. They, were, they were not cannibals. The, the newspaper <laughs> story at, at the time in the 1800s said that uh, the other cannibals ate him when he died. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not true. However, no. he, he was buried in this pauper's graveyard, Potter's Field, we call him. Yeah. And uh, they dug him up uh, to move him. I guess they moved the Potter's Field. Uh, I think 10 or 15 years after he was initially buried, they and they mm. opened the coffin and there was nothing inside. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There is an associated story that we heard of a local doctor who supposedly had the bones of a little person hanging in his office. That's oh. yeah. yeah. So back in the 1800s, it was very common for grave robbers to take bodies and take them to medical people. Mm. So we, we are wondering if uh, through some, you know, chain of events that, that this doctor, you know, ended up with the, the bones of uh, mm. the, uh, they called him the little general. He was one of Barnum's so-called Fiji cannibals. But oh. uh, really, really interesting story, and we, we yeah. eventually we're going to try to get a marker there for him. Uh, that'd be nice. That'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be a good thing. Yeah, that that's the whole um, Burke and Hare, wasn't it? The the they were Irishmen who moved to England, and medical students needed cadavers to work on, mm-hmm. so they used to they 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 I think they got put to death eventually. I could be wrong about that, but for a long time they were just exhuming bodies, bringing them into the the. Uh, the medical students in England, and that was how they were making their money. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a, there's another local story here that I'm going to cover on the podcast eventually, but it's a, a fellow who uh, who died. I'm not going to get into how, but uh, his father sat on his grave with a gun because there was a rumor that uh, he he was buried with a gold watch, and mm. he was so uh, he was yeah. so afraid that that they were going to dig him up to to try to get his gold watch. He actually spent several nights, like literally, just camped out on his son's grave with a shotgun. Jeez. Yeah, there's uh, there was talks of that. I was only listening to it on the radio the other day. There was some woman saying that she had had um, I think she had a miscarriage, but she was told by the nuns at the time because at, at the time in Ireland, um nuns were basically hit the nurses in hospitals you know mm. and oftentimes there was hospitals where it was just nuns working and uh, they told her at the time that oh we will put the fetus at the foot of someone else's coffin when they die so there was a lot of this type of stuff going on where people were actually putting um say 
children that were had out of wedlock, things like that, into the bottom of other people's coffins as they were getting buried. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. Spooky, right? Yeah. Poor yeah. kids. I, I have a spooky nun story. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was, uh, my parents would, again, youngest of six, I, very, very young, they would, they would drop me off at mass and then the Sunday school building was behind the church, this little mm. rural, rural church I went to, and I would, I would walk to the Sunday school. Now, the quickest way between the church and the Sunday school was through the graveyard. Right. So I would just mm. walk through the graveyard. One day, this nun saw me walk through the graveyard, and I got to the Sunday school, and she pulled me aside, and she said, uh, don't do that. And, mm. said, and she said, if you walk through the graveyard, you're going you're gonna to fall down in the grave, and you're going to be with the skeletons. Oh, Oh jeez! Now, little did she know that I was a creep. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this was no, in no way. Worried. I was like skeletons, cool. You know, I, I, I knew enough not to say that out loud. I didn't want to, yeah. get, you know, the ruler across the knuckles. But uh, yeah. I, in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I, I don't mind that. Skeletons are yeah. awesome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was no deterrent whatsoever. But, uh, but that did was you a, find any spooky skeletons? <laughs> No, I never fell in. I never. It fell didn't in. turn into Jason and the Argonauts when you walked through there. No, no. <laughs> a bunch of guys got up. I, I think I probably I was I was more scared of the nun than I was scared of the skeleton. So I, I probably never walked through there again. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, you would be more scared of them, are right? For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of scary. I, did, I think there. that still holds up. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're on the stories. Yeah, we yeah, do the yeah. stories. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there Tim, eventually. Yeah. Tim, do you want to do a spooky story mm-hmm. first, or will mm-hmm. we do the spooky story first? Well, I've got two, but I'll do a short one to start off okay yeah cool so uh I, i've heard okay. you, you say and i think it was you guys mm-hmm. that uh not many bigfoot in ireland yep yep mm, that was us yeah we did say that then. so tell be, us we're wrong <laughs> before uh we used the terms bigfoot and sasquatch of course back mm-hmm. in time they called them wild men right they yeah didn't, they didn't have those those descriptions so this is from the freeman's journal dublin ireland the 6th of november 1851 Nice. Wow. A wild man of the woods. A very curious rumor is at present prevalent in the southern part of our country, county rather, in the southern par- mm. portion of our county, which has obtained general credence amongst the pre- peasantry. It is alleged that a wild man wearing no clothes and covered over with hair infests the plantations in the neighborhood of Ringwood, lurking in the topmost branches of high trees by days and at night prowling about and carrying off sheep of the farmers which he devours ravenously in a raw state we are unable to give further particulars of this most extraordinary report but some of our correspondents may perhaps be able to throw some light upon the matter by communicating with us our informant states that the general belief of the people of this district is that the wild man as the term as they term him affected his escape from a a menagerie or exhibition of savage animals at liverpool nearly a year since but they do not attempt to account for the manner of his crossing the channel into this country or where he has been hiding till now. That is uh, what was printed in the Freeman's Journal in Dublin. It comes from the Kilkenny Moderator. I was going to say, I'm actually wow. I'm actually at the time of uh, recording this, I'm, I'm going to Kilkenny tomorrow, which is kind of funny. Oh. So I must, I must check where Ringwood is. I'm staying there for the weekend. So maybe I'll yeah. see a wild man. But that's interesting. I, I always find that's those really old stories cool. yeah. fascinating. And we'll probably work that into an episode because we kind of do an ongoing Sasquatch series where we just, you know, because it's such a broad topic and you kind of have to just pick and choose little bits from it. But 
Yeah, Ringwald. Yeah, interesting, man. I, 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 I there's another one in Wicklow or something. I think there's been sightings as well, which is not too yeah, far yeah. from me and Eamon. Yeah, yeah so there's, there's a there is a Sasquatch sort of group that tried to track him down in Ireland. Uh, but yeah, it, it's no, no, we're not, we're not, we don't have a whole lot of sightings or anything. But I will say this: I was in Kilkenny for a stag party. Uh, a number mm. of months ago and there was a few wild men on the go that night. <laughs> it was, you know that the pubs were open it was you know covid was over Do you know i seen something recently that i didn't work into our original bigfoot episode we'll briefly touch on it but did you guys see the sketch that um patterson did before he did the bigfoot film mm. he did a sketch of the female bigfoot and almost it was turned the same way as the female Bigfoot was in his film. Yeah. And um, the thing that people say is, well, he was sketching it from a witness account. But I suppose it's another layer to the whole, mm. is it real, is not real debate, because it adds a, a layer of fishiness that I, I, at the time, we actually did a pretty deep, a pretty good deep dive into the Patterson Gilman. But I didn't um, know that going into it. And I think that changes my opinion quite heavily. I have um, come into some information recently that has made me more skeptical of it. Mm. And uh, I, I'll, I'll share it with you off the air. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. yeah, I think I think as the, the layers of the onion get okay. peeled back, <laughs> I'm sort of starting to get a bit, yeah, a little bit buds. Food for thought, Scott. It's, I think it's always important as well because we have these podcasts where we talk about this type of stuff that it, it's it's important to, you know, talk about the, the pitfalls of some of them too, you know. Sure. And, and for me, it does nothing that like, no, it, it does nothing to my belief in Bigfoot no. because yeah, 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 I've said sure. for forever that you, there's something about these things that make them nearly impossible to film. So if that yeah. film mm. turns out to be, you know, a hoax or, or not what they said it was in some way then it does nothing as to my opinion of it. It just kind of reinforces what I've been saying. Like, yeah, you can't, can't film this stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. For sure. We, we had people, um, people send us just video clips where they're trying to film something like, I don't know, a Fox on like a motorway. That's like, and you know, it's a well-lit motorway. It's not too far away, maybe a hundred feet max. And they're on their camera, phone camera, which in modern standards are pretty good quality now. And you can't even really make that out clearly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating. So, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We tackle this Carrick on Shore Witch, Eamon. 
I guess we're going to have to. Will I, yeah. will I start the ball rolling? Yeah, um, guest on the podcast, Tom O'Mahony, is actually from up around that neck of the woods, I think. Yeah, so yeah. He, might be able to, he might be able to tell us about a few witches and uh, gone short at some point. I can imagine, yeah. Tipperary is where they eat their young. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking at here. Um, okay, a witch in Carrigan Shore. Carrigan Shore, uh, by note, very popular for stag parties and hen parties. So mm, indeed. Uh, is there a sense of supernatural energy in the air <laughs> who knows hopefully hopefully all those marriages worked out um so the, the the tipperary free press records a most remarkable case of hallucination in the good old town of carrick on shore the actor being a grand old dame rejoicing in the name of miss mary Dohany. Mm-hmm. and her principal victims of delusion at present being none other than two members of HM Constabulary Force, as revealed in the Magisterial Inquiry. I should briefly interject here and say that the source that Tim had was a newspaper scan, and I was able to get a text from image type of thing where it pulled uh, all the text. Now, the so punct- there's a few bits and bobs. Yeah, the punct- I, I went over it as good as I can, but the punctuation is a bit tricky at times. And some of the wording, it's not that it's wrong, but it's just that from this time, the wording is kind of uh, mm. weird, you know. Yeah, it's, that yeah. it is from the Waterford News. Waterford yeah, Ireland. Ireland. from the Waterford News. In Waterford, okay, they okay. talk weird anyway. So, yeah, it's they kind do. of that. How are you getting on by? 16th of September, 1864. This is from- yeah, wow, so it's kind wow. of very, very old style language. Yeah. Yeah. Half, like a lot of my DNA comes from Waterford, so mm. I should I should be able to manage this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so Mrs. Dohany, uh, for past years, lived in affluent circumstances by selling love potions to Ooh. romantic and foolish girls. <laughs> while she occasionally netted respectable sums amongst farmers' wives with whom things were not going altogether smoothly. Sub-constable Joseph Reeves has outlived the first buddings of youthful enthusiasm. <laughs> he, <laughs> sorry, this is a great line. Yeah. He, he is a married man of some five and 40 years of age, 45 we would say nowadays, <laughs> and the father of a family. Some time ago, his eldest daughter became ill and hearing of the curative powers of Mrs. Dohany, his wife engaged her services and the child improved somewhat. So, you know, what do you reckon an Irish love portion is? A few pints of Guinness? Mm, a bottle of Buckfast, yeah. Yeah, a bottle of Buckfast to get you in the mood. Do you ever had Buckfast, Tim? No, no, I don't even know. Don't do it, Tim. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. It's made by monks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I think I think it was like originally made by monks. Now it's made like by lads in factories. Or was it druids? It was monks, was it? It was monks, or because it was back in the day when you couldn't drink water. You had to, water was so full of um, disease. It's that a tree. Had to drink, yeah, effectively. <laughs> we we had to drink, uh, yeah, E. coli. We had to drink alcohol. But the monks used to make buckfast, which they called a tonic. So mm. basically, if you have a shot of buckfast a day, it's meant to be quite good for your uh, your body. If you drink a bottle of Buckfast before a night out, it's not good for anything. But <laughs> it, 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 we used to, me and Rob's cousin, and I think Rob, you were probably there a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, maybe once or twice, yep. We used to go, We there's there's trawlers where we live. So we used to go out and sit on the trawlers and drink bottles of Buckfast, uh, you know, all our, all our buddies when we were young. And then after that, we'd go out and we'd have a couple of pints. And by the time we got to the pub, Buckfast is like, it's like an alcoholic yop. 
It's like an <laughs> alcoholic yogurt drink. Oh, really? And it's just oh man, it's 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 not Soup. good. It's really bad. <laughs> like it's but it 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 it, it kind of it messes you up more than a bottle of wine or something like that would for whatever's in it. But we used to do that regularly uh, when mm. we were kids. And yeah, so it, it's a it's a fun night, but maybe a night where <laughs> questionable decisions might be made. So is, it, yeah. is there dairy in it? Like is, when you say no. like yogurt, is it? Like... There, there might be, there, there's a thickness to it. I don't know if it's dairy, but it's 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 much thicker than than like a, a you know a, a high like a sherry for example it's mm-hmm. way thicker than a sherry yeah port vibes as well doesn't it it's a kind of mm. it's that kind of really it's like it's almost syrupy because it's that it was made by monks in Buckfast abbey yeah um so that's where it comes from that's and where it comes from yeah. i order you know what it is that's in it caffeine that's what it is. So ah. it, it, it wires you. It gives you a different buzz altogether. Like, like so you, you, and alcohol. Yeah. It's like kind of a meme in like places like Scotland that people that drink buck fast are just going to end up fighting you because they're so worked up on caffeine and, and alcohol. <laughs> you know, it's like a. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an unusual drink for sure. No, you wouldn't want to be drinking a lot of it. Very particular yeah, we, in in my alcoholic drinks. I I like a good hard cider. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah, right. Uh, not so much on beer. Occasionally, if, it, if a good beer, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, usually not so much on that. Uh, wine, okay. I'm, you know, it d- depends on on what. But uh, mm-hmm. wine will give me headaches sometimes. Where same, I, mean, I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's too, sure. it's too acidic for me. It just yeah. burns a hole in me. So I could try to drink it. I wanted to. So you know, fancy artists and stuff used to drink absinthe. You know, and, yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted to be like, oh, I'm gonna like the absinthe is gonna be like, I'm gonna drink absinthe. It'll be my thing. Oh, this, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is horrible. The cool dude. Yeah. Disgusting tasting. I'm, <laughs> it went mm. nothing to do with absinthe. No, it's not. I, I'm a whiskey man. It's kind of a cliche, yeah. I suppose, being Irish, but whiskey is probably my fave. Um, I like a, I like a scotch as well, um, but generally you more like, into You the like Irish the whiskey. leathery taste of a scotch, do you? Yeah. See, yeah. the thing I discovered is my earlier experiences with scotch was just the crappy, cheap scotches, and they're very heavily peaty and kind of, mm. it, it, it's almost like perfumey. It's that overpowering. But yeah, yeah. if you get some of the nice distilleries in Scotland, because there's so many of them, um, there's some really nice ones. Like Cardew is really nice as one I like a lot. Um but yeah, yeah, I think scotch is a good one. And, and I like a lot of the American bourbons. I'm a fan of uh, some yeah, of the American bourbons, bourbons that were tasty. Even some of the spliced tastes, the honey and the apple and all mm. that sort of stuff, I, I can get behind that. But I mean, mostly I will drink anything. <laughs> you don't discriminate at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm an equal opportunities <laughs> alcohol employer. I'm all good. Yeah, when yeah, I was learning banjo, I was going all over like West Virginia and, and stuff and going mm. to these events where, you know, these people would gather and stuff and i was at one of these events and somebody broke out jugs of moonshine oh and, and i had heard you know horrible things about it mm-hmm. i don't know if it was this particular moonshine or if this is all moonshine in general it, it was some of the best tasting whiskey i'd ever had in my mm-hmm. life it was, it was lovely imagine, just yeah lovely just absolutely it's very smooth i could have yeah i, I see yeah. why people go blind because <laughs> Yeah, I had a Irish pochin, which is moonshine. Basically, it's it's it's, it's called pochin there, and I was drinking that um, at a uh, my girlfriend's parents' party or something, and and the dad brought out he busted out some, and it was made like in a bath type of stuff, but it was absolutely lovely, and I just sipped on it like I had had a few drinks. And so for the rest of the night, I kind of just sipped on it, you know, just just to tip mm. over. And, and it was a good it was a good drink. I really enjoyed it. 
speaking of making things in a bath, we'll get back to the story eventually. <laughs> <laughs> this is monstrous as well, so the digressions are part of us. I'm Neil Digress Tyson. <laughs> There's a, the, the, the local sort of you know resort area down on the eastern shore of Maryland, in Ocean <clears throat> City. And uh, I, I would spend long periods of time there. My, my sister lived there for a while. I lived there basically for a summer, even though I didn't have a home. I just bounced from place to place. And mm-hmm. um, my f- different friends lived there for a while. I was there at one point, and uh, this guy, just random people, just because it's a, like a resort area. You know, you, you have a party, and just random people are just going to roll in. Mm-hmm. And th- this guy comes in, he's, he's trying to sell me acid. And I was oh, like, yeah. I either didn't have money. There's something about this guy that was just like, ah, I don't know if I want to buy acid off this guy. No. And and he all night he keeps coming to me. He's like, you know, like come on, like five dollars a tab. And I'm like, nah, I'm not. <laughs> like wh- whatever, you know, just I'm not interested. Again. So at the end of the night, he he ends up giving me like three sheets, <laughs> three sheets of this, this <laughs> acid. Like, sheets. Yeah, Lord. Just, and and he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, I I've got a ton of it because my brother makes it in his bathtub. <laughs> oh, oh my god okay he's like the thing is you're supposed to use grain alcohol but we couldn't get grain alcohol so we used rubbing alcohol in the process oh, no. so I was like, yeah i was like i don't know about this i i never uh i think i ended up re-gifting the the sheet of <laughs> yeah yeah i think that was a good that was call. a wise choice yeah. <laughs> so we're back to uh sub constable reeves and then the, the Miss Dahani here, and man, he was wanting to get into the curative powers and all that type of stuff. So, hence, henceforward, Miss Dahani became a frequent guest at the tea table of the constable. And after a time, she predicted that ere long, he would be in affluent circumstances, inasmuch as some of his relatives and connections who had been dead for years had come to life and would soon be permitted to show themselves upon the earth. Hmm. So she's promising the sun, moon, and stars are really like... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he was also led to believe that Sir James Power, who died some 10 years ago, took a deep interest in his well-being and purposed giving him some landed property. And the result was that a correspondence was carried on between them, and the constable received no less than 25 letters and a gold ring from the occupant of the grave. The missives in question being regularly forwarded to Miss Dahani, and the replies occasionally came through her and were sometimes found in an old moat on a hillside. Oh. So interesting stuff here with these little letters, right? Oh. She sort of just, I don't know, well, I don't know what's going on with her, but to attest her power still farther, she made an assignation with the constable to meet him in a certain field at a particular hour. And there she revealed to him the person of his father-in-law Mr. Mullins, standing at a few yards distance, dressed in a blue coat and brass buttons, and knee breeches. Do you still wear breeches, Em? Uh, yeah, but mine are fairly, <laughs> mine would be fairly stink. Stinky, stinky breeches. You got stinky breeches. Nice. So, coarse stockings and shoes. He was not allowed to address the vision, which was beheld by his son, a boy about nine years of age, at the same time. So, she also showed him others of his friends, and company who had died, amongst others his son William, who had departed this life some five or six years ago. This the constable deposed to, on oath before the magistrates on Saturday. And as regarded her power in this respect, he was corroborated on oath by his wife. Mr. Hannah, who with Mr. Jepson and Wilson presided, Asked him if he had been drinking at the time. <laughs> <laughs> drinking that bath putching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And the man replied that he had not tasted spiritless liquors for the past 21 years. This appears strange to be sure, but then there is further testimony. Sub-Constable Hayes is brought forward and he deposes on oath that the woman has brought up before him several of his friends and connections who had been dead for years. And in this statement, he also corroborated by his wife. So there's two people basically backing each other up here, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. It, it's kind of hard to decipher exactly what's going on. He said he hasn't drank in 21 years <laughs> and he's talking about ghosts and apparitions. Uh, but the people are saying this is strange to be sure. And in Ireland, that's like a man not to drink for 21 years. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, stranger than the goal stuff. Yeah, for sure. For, sure. Uh, for weeks after, Mrs. Donny is supplied with meal, potatoes, tea, etc., for the sustenance of the dead who have come to life. Mm. And on more than one occasion, some tobacco was sent to old Mullins, who it appears was in his lifetime a great smoker. Is this like when you leave the cookies out for Santa? I mean, and it's the parents eat them. This is, this is to me, this sounds like as a folklore guy, this is this is spirit gifting, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. totally. My my parents used to have a fight every Christmas uh, <laughs> about Santa Claus gifting. My dad would be like, oh, Santa Claus would probably like four cans of Guinness. And my mom be like, my mom be like, no, the cookies and the carrots are fine. And he'd be like, no, I think Santa was good. And because we were kids, we wanted to please Santa. Like we'd be like, yeah, let's give him the Guinness. So my, my mother always, yeah. Wasn't until we were a bit older that we realized, oh, he's a, he's a high functioning alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different thing. Um, so to meet these demands, Constable Reeves got into debt, but the promise of gold and landed property included him to resort to extensive credits to furnish supplies. New potatoes were at one time returned to him with a request from the dead that they should be exchanged for old. <laughs> and on one occasion, some eggs were sent back with word that they had not agreed with the dead son, William. Yeah, These that's interesting. Picky spirits. Yeah, because new mm. potatoes are like over here, you know, we know our potatoes, you know. We, um, do. we do. And new potatoes are quite desired. Um, so <laughs> I think that was a piss take, you know, um, because because <laughs> we, we love our new potatoes as soon as they come we, into we season. We never hand back. We actually have a, we, we had the, the whole argument about chips versus fries. But yeah. uh, to keep with our vernacular, we have, we have a chipper over here and they have a poster in the window every time there's new potatoes yeah. and they're like now cutting new potatoes and we're all like nice. oh never mind that <laughs> never mind that curry i was gonna have it's time for new potatoes um mr hurd sub inspector at length got word of what was going on and he determined to make inquiries in reference there too weaves was removed to clonmel in consequence of the debts he had contracted and learning the cause thereof he proceeded to miss Dohany's house where he found the letters from Sir James Power, which she had returned by Reeves when the thing got noised abroad. He also got three bottles containing tea, cream and milk made up in a clean white handkerchief, of which Mr. Dotney acknowledged were to have been forwarded to some of her defunct clients on the same evening. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's an interesting one, right? I know that tea back then in Ireland... Uh, if you had tea, you were probably fairly affluent, I would say. Um, mm. I do know yeah, even yeah. from 
anecdotes of my grandparents as well because they were around in say the 30s 40s it was very hard to get tea here then you know so i, I think oh, yeah. if they had tea back in 1860 something they were a very well-off family you know yeah yeah well my i know my mother definitely in the 50s used to get like uh oranges for christmas and stuff like that because mm. getting fruit was was much more difficult yeah yeah like they, they only released bananas and oranges mm. in Ireland in the 50s yeah banana <laughs> downloadable content yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah so the house was otherwise comfortably furnished and the dame appeared to live well on the credulity credulity of the people excuse me she was of course arrested <laughs> and the present proceedings were instituted it was a strange thing to witness in a public court of justice a number of intelligent people apparently in their senses deposing to such things on oath in the presence of magistrates whatever spells she may have wrought there is no question of doubt but that the policeman named and her family still place implicit faith in her for when being removed to the dock Reeves shook her by the hand and asserted such, and in reply to one of the magistrates, he said, Sir, it's you ha- if you had seen as much as I have, you would be mm. of the same opinion. Classic Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fascinating. That is fascinating. Mm, it is, fair. yeah, it really is. Um, so after taking down in writing Reeves's evidence, and he having signed the same, the magistrates were about to adjourn when Mr. Wilson, addressing Dahini, Dahani, said, Have you anything to say now that you have heard this statement? The woman coolly replied, He wanted to see his dead relatives, and, dead or alive or on horseback, I showed them to him. Mr. Hard had the woman's husband, a blind man, arrested on Friday evening. He travels through the country led by a dark guide, and on being questioned, he acknowledged that his worst day's receipts for some time past were two shillings and some other currency that I don't know. Okay, that was, I saw that. I was like, I have no clue what that is. Yeah, it's a shillings anyway, for sure. I don't know the second. Shillings and nine pence, is it? Yeah. Like the D, not, was that P back in the back in the olden days? My, it doesn't hurt about my grandparents. They're still talking like shillings sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> Grand, I don't know what a shilling is like. They're like, oh, and it was five shillings and six pence. And I'm like, what does that mean? Is that 5,000 euro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious as to uh, this dark guide. The dark mm, Absolutely, yeah. It's like, interesting. Like once we once we finish up this story here, myself and Eamon will um we might be able to give you some Irishisms as to what that might mean. Okay. It's, it's um, reminded me a little bit of the Appalachian shadow people that people said they saw on the pilgrimages. You're, you're going way more abstract. I'm going, than I'm I am. going way more. You're abstract. Going, <laughs> That's what I like to do. Yeah, you're going way more abstract. You're talking about absinthe. I'm Van Gogh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why occasionally, sorry, while occasionally they realize six or seven shillings in a day. So they were making good money, apparently. I must ask me, Gran, how much that is. You may, might be able to tell us. We learned that some time ago, the female prisoner gave a neighboring woman an awful beating. Oh, Lord. And yet nobody could be got to prosecute her, fearing that she might bewitch them or their children. The prisoner is apparently about 40 years of age with a good-looking face, like you, Eamon, actually. Yeah, about 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't so much pass the good-looking face part, but the about 40 years of age is probably, probably on point, yeah. Though some, what pass, and a mouth particularly expressive of cunning and intelligence. 
On September 8th, the prisoner who brought before Mr. L.H. Jefferson, J.P. and Mr. Hannah or M. at the petty sessions at Carrick on Shore and on a rehearing of the entire of the case. So they used to say the entire rather than the entirety. So that's mm. interesting. She was committed for trial at the next quarter sessions at Clonmel for obtaining clothing and food under oh. false pretenses. Can't be trusted. Right. So first question is to Tim. You're the outsider here, Tim. Mm-hmm. What do you think about from reading this story? Well, see, I have the advantage of having read the follow-up too. Ah, um, see, see, I see. haven't read the follow-up either. Yeah, um, you know, the, like I said, when when you when I see things like uh, spirit gifting that that just kind of falls right in with folklore, part of me thinks mm. like, well, there is something going on here, right? There is something yeah. going on here. So in the in the follow up, uh, it, it talks about her trial, and apparently her blind husband was dressing up as these people. <laughs> oh, right, nice. Which would explain why no one was allowed to address their dead relatives, right? Yes, yes, uh, yes. But you know, is there a both end thing going on here? I mean, you know, certainly, uh, I think we tend to look back and and think of you know our ancestors in the eighteen hundreds or whenever it is mm. as being simple. You know, and and like stupid, you know, in mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense, mm-hmm. and they, like they they were easily fooled, and yeah. I I don't think that was as much the case as we think of now. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, a good example to argue against what I just said is the Cottingley fairy photos. If you're familiar with those, oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, exactly. they're silly, and you look at them, yeah. and any any modern person looks at them and goes, they're paper cutouts, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But at the time, photography was so new, and what photography showed people was was real life right it showed mm, you mm. can take pictures of things and, and capture it so i think part of that was the dawn of photography you know when people were used to seeing you know you could take a picture of of whoever you know a, a portrait and that was them you know that's mm-hmm. that's how they looked because photography that's what it does mm-hmm. so i think mm. that played into part of the thing with the cottingley fairy i don't think it was like so much that people were more gullible back then i think as photography was new and everything that yeah. they were being shown was was you know real real stuff so um, yeah, yeah. But you know, that said, there is an element of maybe, maybe being a little more gullible as as far as uh, you know special effects and mm. and so forth. So I know, I know, one of the first um, it was a really, 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 really early silent movie. But they had a part where someone got their head cut off by an axe or whatever, and obviously they did like a switch camera, so they have the person the actual actor lying there and the, the, the executioner is throwing down the axe and then they 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 um stop the camera obviously and then put in like a dummy where he cut the head off the axe but it, or cut the head off the, the the victim rather but it was the first time that that had ever been shown and people in the audience believed that someone was so committed to cinema that they were willing to give their lives for for this perfect scene that had yeah. never been seen before you know there were stories of uh, early silent movies of, of trains where they would film the train coming right at the camera and, and mm. people in, in the theater like diving out of their seats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, for us, you know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, so there's another another layer to it. Um, it kind of sounds like she's acting like a bit of a medium, maybe a clairvoyant as well. She's kind of doing that whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't know where you lie on it, Tim. Personally, I, like I, I'm so conflicted on on medium stuff because sometimes I hear things and I'm like, 
you know what? It would be very hard to cold read that information. Like, you know, there's sometimes that people say stuff to me about it. I've even heard tapes myself that were pretty, pretty good. But then sometimes, you know, you see these, we, what's that documentary, Emma, that we've seen? Um, oh, with Timmy in it. Uh, yeah. The near-death experience one. Yeah. 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 There's a, have you seen this, Tim, on Netflix? It's a near-death experience documentary. I'm not sure. It's the first episode is really compelling. It's a bit like what kind of happens when you die, and, and mm. it's basically people talking about their experiences as they died, like you know, like they they, they were brought back to life, but they they tell their their stories, what happened to them, and it's quite interesting. But episode two goes down the sort of clairvoyant path, um, and this particular place that they were shot because I I was going into episode two and I was like. Okay, episode one was great. Let's, you know, let's see, like, let's really get to the, the meat and potatoes of this whole thing here. And the clairvoyance in it were just really hacky and bad. Yeah. And mm. it, it, it kind of, it kind of ruined it because I've heard stuff that is way more compelling than what they were doing in the show, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. um, and this sounds like that, that this does sound like it could have been compelling, but with the evidence that you have there in the second article, it kind of you're, you're like, was it was it a bit of that kind of misleading, preying on families that had more money than sense and trying to just get because you know they were trying to get like tobacco and stuff as well, weren't they? It was one of the yeah, things that they yeah. requested, which that would have been a super exotic thing back then because tobacco was a new world thing. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I have to imagine in, in Ireland at the time, getting tobacco would have been very difficult. So with with mm. any kind of supernatural pursuit, paranormal pursuit where mm. you have to produce results. Yeah. Eventually, and this is my opinion, eventually you will come to hoaxing. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Yeah. I, I agree point. with that. Entirely, because yeah. uh, it's happened in some of the famous poltergeist cases where mm-hmm. where people, yeah. where there's apparently something real going on and then later on it, people started faking it. Mm. You know, when these researchers would come in or, or you know, a reporter or something would come in and they'd want to, to have these things happen while people were there. So they started faking it. Happens with uh, Bigfoot people, too. They'll initially yeah. produce some really good evidence and then they have the pressure to keep producing. And that's when they start hoaxing. Mm-hmm. So my gut says that even if there was something real going ho- going on in the beginning with this, you know, she literally has the, the pressure to keep producing results. And the same thing with these modern mediums. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. they're getting genuine information, but they are pressured to have constant results, constant True. results. And eventually yeah. they figure out ways to fake it. And they may they may be hoaxing themselves. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've always said it's it's pretty easy to, to do those readings on people, you know, when, when you could tell somebody, oh, you're you're a, a creative person, and then everyone wants to be a creative person. So, oh, mm. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and you're a leader. You're a leader. People yeah. look up to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You <laughs> really know me. You know, <laughs> tell, tell people what they want to hear, and, and uh, they'll think you're a genius. But mm. uh, yeah, so I but I think there's you know maybe there's a spark of the genuine thing, but then again, there's this pressure to produce, which leads to hoaxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I totally agree with that as well. It's. It brings to mind a small bit about um. Jesus, this is going a bit way off, but it's the first thing that came to mind is that idea of the quantum and that the possibilities are everywhere until you look at them and then they solidify. 
if mm. that makes sense. So yeah. like, yeah. So it, it exists that, that there's like a cloud of quantum, if you like, and then as soon as it's it's uh, measured it chooses a destination. It chooses a spot that we can kind of observe. And I, I think maybe to your point, Tim, for sure, that it's almost similar in terms of this, this uh, high strangeness stuff is that when someone's not actually trying to get something out of it, it presents itself. It's when you try to find it, it starts to become elusive. So I, I can totally understand why people who themselves know that something strange is happening here will you know ultimately sort of fabricate something because there's nothing really wrong with fabricating something when you know you've experienced something real yeah i suppose in their mind anyway yeah, yeah. In the, yeah, uh, yeah and, in and as long mind. and as long as you're not you know if you're doing it and no one's getting harmed that maybe if you're doing it and there's no money passing hands it's kind well, you, of see different. if you're if you're if you're not starting as a charlatan you know what i mean yeah. like like if you're taking yeah. money off you're lying to take money that's a different thing but if you're if you're hoaxing someone trying to study something like i can understand that if you've experienced something that's real and you're like this is real i just need you to believe because i i know i've experienced yeah you know like, I yeah because i I definitely think there's people that are sensitive to like their mm. senses are attuned to stuff that other people aren't um yeah. and they can sense things and even even just on simple things like emotion like there's people that are very good at sensing people's emotion and reading people mm-hmm. and, and and sort of getting that invisible layer between two people and sort of really able to take it on yeah. um but yeah, yeah, no, I think it's 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 a weird one. Sometimes when you see people that are grieving going to mediums, I kind of that's when I kind of feel it can yeah. be a little bit sketchy, you know. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you're like, well, yeah, what's up with that? Yeah. So what's the um, what's the read on this dark guide that was leading her mm. blind husband around? Yeah, that's see. So so I'm not sure what the attitude was at the time, but I do know that people that traveled the country in Ireland at the time would have been uh, our ethnic minority, which is travelers. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wonder if perhaps, and I do think as well back then, a lot of travelers would have been into the clairvoyant and and medium type of stuff. Um, So I'm wondering, is that kind of it? But then I don't know how common or uncommon they were then like i don't know if it, if they would have been uncommon enough to to put in quotations as a dark guide so, so travelers can be but aren't necessarily romany is that uh, they're actually no, not at all they're irish be, yeah. okay. they're, they, they they're, look uh, they look a lot like me to be fair it's yeah like Eminem is kind skin, of half red hair. <laughs> i think i think if you go back a couple of generations i've got some blood in me yeah yeah it's right it's uh, irish travelers irish gypsies are, are separate um so if yeah. you at uh, the most famous irish gypsy right now is um tyson fury you know um yeah. he's he's he would be Irish gypsy blood that lives in England. He's in, uh, he'd be born and reared in England. Like, um, but they're their own, they're separate to Romany. You know, those guys are, those guys are, I think even genetically separate. I don't think they, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure whether they all identify as the same group or whether they identify Mm. each other as different. I'm not actually quite sure. I don't think so. I think the Irish ones, the, the original term we would say is they were tinkers, which is like, I think it's uh, nowadays not, not the right thing to say but the the reason for it was that they would they would collect and fashion things out of tin and then mm. sell them on so that's where the, the the name came from i i i could be totally wrong but mm. i don't think that something from clonmel 
in the 19th century would talk about because travelers would have been a much more or that would have been way more prevalent back then than it is now i don't think they would have, they would have called them dark guides i i yeah. think um I think that Dark Guide has a has a for me at least because there's not a lot to go on here, but for me it's got a it's got the 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 the, the supernatural. There's something going right. on there, you know. For me, for sure, like because I've never heard that in Irish culture either. Like a Dark Guide, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. And that's the only reason I thought that it might be travelers was because it's it goes out of its way to specify something yeah, different. Yeah. And so like, I was yeah, like, well, yeah. you know, and it, I suppose it depends who writes this article as well. Like, cause at the time it could have been an English paper. Yeah. So it could have been actually an English publication, which mm. the wording at that time towards Irish people would have been very different as well. Well, yeah. So, yeah. and, well, and travelers maybe in, even in a derogatory way, could have been called a dark in quotations guide. I think, you know? I think many more Irish people sort of would have been what we would call travelers nowadays back then, if that makes sense, because the, the, the I don't know how much different differentiation there was between, you know, it's not like people were going around putting mortgages down on houses really easy back then. Do you know what I mean? This is like the time of the tenement house. But they were the rag and bone men as well at the time. Yeah, that's what they that's, were called. That's true as well. Uh, yeah, and and well. to be fair, it could have been a rag and bone man actually. And those guys were still going into the thirties and forties. Like, um, again, to go back to my grandparents, cause they were alive at that time. But my granny often remembers a rag and bone man used to call it. She lived in a, she grew up in rural Meath, I think in Ireland. And the, the rag and bone man had show up. And like you trade like a fucking chicken for like um you know a few pints of milk or something like that, that mm. kind of thing. Um so a rag and bone man, even them themselves had a kind of a dark sense to them because there were these mysterious traveler people who I don't think they were traveler um like Irish travelers. I think they were separate again. But I'm wondering, is even one of them a type of a dark guide, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's I mean it's so because it's you're really just going off the words. Dark yeah. guide. It's it's yeah. so hard to know. For me, for me, I, my feeling is that there's something, especially, you know, he travels through the country led by a dark guide. He's blind. Maybe that that's what it is. Maybe it's actually just a dark guide is someone who guided the blind. Yeah. Do you know, I'm, I'm like a I'm yeah, really that could be sure, a like literally I, someone yeah, that lights you through the dark, dark or or, mm. or brings guides you through your darkness. But yeah. I, but I mean, in in the context of this story, which is so steeped in mm-hmm. supernatural kind of elements, I don't know. You kind of think is the dark guide something a bit more ethereal? So, I, like, can he is he doing? Is he is the dark guide not even a person or a thing? But he can somehow see, although he's blind. I, I mean, it's really hard to tell. But but uh, it, it's certainly an interesting it's an interesting read. Yeah, and aside. One of my gateways into folk music was an album I picked up based on the cover called Songs of the Traveling People. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. yeah. And, and who, who, who was that from? Like, was the artist? It was, it was just various artists. It was field recordings. Mm. Done. Okay. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So right. It was it's very, very raw kind of stuff. But mm. Cool, cool. That so, class. so, yeah, we're unsettled on the on the Tipperary witch um, we'll have to mm. we'll have to consult Tom I, <laughs> I do know that my my grandmother was from Clonmel yeah. uh, but and I asked her I remember I used to I spend a lot of time with her when I was a kid uh, after my granddad died I used to stay down there a lot and I remember asking her when I was like nanny when you die will you come back and tell me what's going on after we die and she was like yeah 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 shut up just eat your sweets <laughs> and go to bed um, 
but she never did. So, you know, so I don't know how, <laughs> how supernatural Clon Mel is for sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, so what have you got for us there, Tim? I'm, I'm very intrigued at the mm, mystery. So I, I found a Pennsylvania witch story. Oh, very good. Ooh, this wow. is from awesome. the Harrisburg Telegraph, February 4th, 1922. Nice. Let me uh, get it to the size I can read it here. I'm reading yeah. off the screen. Mm. This hard-headed community. Now, this is the Pennsylvania Dutch, so this, <laughs> this, that, that is an accurate <laughs> assessment. This hard-headed community is about the last place anyone would think of as even giving any thought to such a thing as witchcraft. And yet, the other day, a friend, while looking up folklore of the lower Susquehanna, that's the Susquehanna River, would be the area in which I live, came across this article signed by WFR and written many years ago, which tells of what sounds like a remarkable story to us in this practical generation. And yet there are, in Dolphin County, barns which have certain peculiar markings and even crudely worded incantations to keep away the hex, as the height of witchcraft is called. It seems hardly credible nowadays, and yet not long ago... When I asked a farmer why he did not cross off some marks, he laughed and said they had always had them. All this only goes to show how witchcraft beliefs of the old days led to popular superstitions and even firm convictions in our today. While we did not burn witches in this part of Pennsylvania, yet some folks have peculiar and deep-rooted beliefs, as the following article will show. It is copied just as it appeared in an old publication. And then this is the, the article they were speaking of. Since the introduction of free schools, witches, and all kindred workers in the black art have become scarce, and few people acknowledge a belief in them. Three quarters of a century ago, the case was different. Every neighborhood had its witches and witch stories, supported by evidence that could not be gainsaid. In these respects, old Paxtang Valley was fully abreast of its neighbors. As an instance, we will give one of the best authenticated, but by no means the most marvelous, of the innumerable stories told and believed at the firesides of our ancestors. More than a hundred years ago, John Wilson and his wife Jean owned and were living upon a farm near the present Rutherford Station. Mr. Wilson was a prominent man in the valley, and one whose truthfulness was unquestioned. He was also somewhat skeptical in his views of witchcraft. He loved a good horse and always kept a fine team. On one occasion, several of his horses refused to work and acted in a very strange and unaccountable manner. This, as an aside, would be very offensive to Pennsylvania Dutch. If, so, if anything refuses to work, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> work, work, work is held above uh, all things right. to these people. Within the next fortnight, these horses, one after another, died without any apparent cause. The neighbors attributed it to witchcraft, and Mr. Wilson reluctantly came to the same conclusion. But as he had hitherto been a doubter and did not wish to avow his conversion until he had put the matter to the proof, he resolved to privately work a spell, which it was popularly believed would bring the witch to light. This spell consisted in certain incantations together with the consuming of vitals of the victim with fire. This was supposed to torture the corresponding vitals of the witch that she would come speedily and beg for mercy. Accordingly, when the last horse died, Mr. Wilson, after removing the skin and hanging it in the loft of an old building below the house to dry, conveyed the carcass to a retired spot in the woods, kindled a fire, and with the proper ceremonies laid the requisite parts of the animal upon it and awaited results. Whilst John was thus employed, Jean, who was in absolute ignorance of his whereabouts, was somewhat startled by the rapid approach from the ravine, 
west of the house of a man and two women with their tongues hanging out and panting like dogs. The strangers rushed into the house and called for water. Jean pointed to a large bucketful upon the table and told them to help themselves. They drank greedily all that was in the bucket, then hurried to the door and stood for a moment, sniffing the air, as if searching for a scent, then ran down to the old building below the house, climbed up to the loft, and began licking the blood from the flesh side of the hide. Ooh, vampires, I like it. That's what it sounds Mm. like. After having been some time thus engaged, they seemed satisfied, came down, and disappeared up the ravine from whence they had come. Mr. Wilson's fire, after burning brightly for a time, died out, and no witch appearing, he soon came after to the house, disgusted with his ill success and more skeptical than before. But upon hearing Jean's account of what had taken place in his absence, he perceived that his overthoughtfulness had caused his failure. If, when a spell of this kind is worked, the witch can obtain some of the blood of the victim and drink it, the fire within is quenched and the spell broken. Blood enough for this purpose can be obtained from the skin of an animal that has not previously bled, and if Mr. Wilson had placed the hide beyond the reach of the witches, he would have had them in his power. This story was told by Mr. Wilson himself, and none ever doubted his word. Later generations, unable to discredit Mr. Wilson, has endeavored to explain by asserting that Jean was mistaken as to the actions of the man and two women who came into their kitchen. This explanation is a very ungallant one, but is also very old and a very common way of accounting for most of the errors of mankind. Hmm. Wow. So it sounds like kind of like vampires, maybe werewolves or something, maybe? I mean, kind of. There, there are a lot of... So we have these local... Uh, they call them hex books or um, so it's folk magic, and there mm-hmm. isn't a lot of of witchcraft in them. It's it's like sort of like faith healing more than okay. yeah, more yeah. than that. Uh, the most famous one is called the Long Lost Friend, and uh, it's it's a lot of prayers and faith healing. You'll have stuff like you know if if you uh, have rheumatism, you know do this, you know, mm-hmm. and and it'll give you a little charm to say it's, it's, and and so forth. But in, in these books are often ways to discover witches. So they, the, these charms to, to uh, bring witches out, you know, are in the culture, are, are in the, you know, the Pennsylvania Dutch culture. And they're, they're in these books. So you will find, you know, with not only how to, um, you know, cure warts or whatever, you know, whatever these mm. different char- charms all the you know, on the same page, the next charm will be like how to discover a witch. And this, wow. you know, th- this will turn whatever you know, whatever hex the witch has put on you, will turn it against them, or you will you will know the witch because they'll show up at your house the next day and like mm. begging for water or something like this. So, so that that is that part of the story is consistent with you know these that, what we find in these local, you know, as I said, called them so called hex books. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's very very strange. It's a very it's a very weird, strange one. Yeah, weird story of them coming in and licking the blood from the from the horse hide though. Yeah, because I was kind of actually half expecting it to take like a rabies turn and like, you know, they were super thirsty. And I was kind of, as the story went on, I was like, are they like rabid from rabies? Uh, and and uh, are they going to, because I was expecting like a, a turn where they might, you know, vomit up the water after they've drank it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you take all the rest of the story, the rabies doesn't really make sense, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. No. Um, but is it this? I, I think all that magic stuff, man, is very interesting, isn't it? Really, like, mm, it's 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 a strange one, though. Is like just even that that image of the two people arriving, panting, their tongues mm. sort of hanging outside of their mouths, and then licking the blood. It's 
I mean, it does. It does bring to mind an element of uh, of midnight mass, as we kind of touched yeah. on earlier. You know, yeah, it's for very sure. disturbing. Yeah, yeah Robin, really I'd be interested if you could ask your grandparents. Yeah, did they have? I mean, maybe you know. Do you yeah. have like a, a similar sort of uh, folk magic, faith healing tradition? There? Uh, I, like I think, yeah, I think it was more common in rural Ireland. It, and, it would have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, my my granny is very superstitious, even still. Like, yeah, like she would definitely entertain a lot more stuff. I think recently she said, like, I can't remember actually what happened, but. She used to always get like a sty on her eye. Oh, yeah. And like some woman showed up to the house and she was like, Oh, I like to see it's, I can't remember most of it's on butchering it, but essentially, I think she brought some item of my granny's, like some like, like cotton or something or whatever, and, and tied it to some tree or did something weird with it and brought it back to my granny and, you know, said, Oh, is this and that's been done to it. And, my granny says it worked and it removed her sty. I must actually ask her what happened, so I'm not butchering that story. But she she often says it. She said, "Oh, that's how I like." And she said, "Matter of fact, she's like that's how I cured my sties." <laughs> this woman showed up at the house and said, "Oh, I know what'll cure them." And goes off and finds like does some type of uh, ritual with the item, gives it back to my granny. My granny puts it on her eye overnight or something mm-hmm. uh, or like ties it to her eye overnight or something and she doesn't get styes anymore or at least that's what she says. There is very, very good evidence for folk magic and hypnotism mm-hmm. curing warts. They're extremely yeah. effective. They've they've done studies on it. They, they don't know the mechanism. Uh, in, in Appalachia, um, the so-called grannies, the, these you know mm. women that, that do this folk magic, will buy warts from people. They will like right. they, they will give a kid a couple you know quarters bag or of warts. Yeah, here I'm going to buy that <laughs> wart off you, and it works. These really? kids, wow. you know, the warts go away, and That's, but uh, hypnotism works very well for warts as well. So yeah. I'm I'm imagining it's a similar process, you know, between the yeah. two things mm. happening. It, yeah. Yeah, and as well, there's the yeah. psyche and the power of the mind as well plays into it, which is another totally untapped, perhaps almost paranormal type of thing where we don't really, we haven't, there's parts of our mind that we probably haven't even tapped into properly and harnessed yet because even placebo is so such a powerful thing, you know? Um, Well, so it's very interesting about placebo that's even more interesting is most of the times people talk about placebo, they talk about sort of, um, more mood-based illnesses you know like you're feeling depressed your exercise is as good as antidepressant which Mm -hmm. is as good as a placebo you know sugar pill but there are studies out there that show people who actually get placebo surgery and i don't know enough about this um it's in a book called you are the placebo but it's basically let's say you get knee surgery but they don't actually do anything yeah but your knee somehow manages to work again because you believe that a surgery has taken place basically wow. yeah. and it's working now yeah. again i'd i'd need to i kind of want to almost reference check myself yeah. there i know i've i know i've definitely read about physical placebo if you like something that's on the body rather than the mind um and it working and i'm pretty sure it's in that book you are the placebo i've heard of it though i've seen mm. a thing em and where it was on and i think this might have been more in the sort of charlatan-y sort of hoaxy type of thing but I think there was a guy maybe he got in trouble for it but he was doing that kind of thing where he was doing faith like like or like mm. like surgeries where he was saying 
oh, I'm going to go into you with my hand and I'm going to remove whatever illness there is. I want to say that that was some someone high profile. I wish it could really come to my my brain right now, but mm. it is. So it is a done thing, even without sort of a medical side of it, where maybe you might go into a hospital mm. and pretend you had surgery, but there are well, people yeah. that say that they I, do it. I think these were these were legitimate like studies yeah. that were carried out as far as I'm aware. Again, I just don't have the book in front of me to actually reference yeah. it. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I gave it a lend to one of my mates. But even if I did, it's massive, so I probably wouldn't be able to find it. But it is, it, you know, it's very, because obviously your mood is quite, or at least we know it's very much affected by the environment, by what's going on around us, by the people we have around us. And I think the body is probably quite similar it's just we 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 aren't as aware of it, if that makes sense. So I I do believe, I would tend to believe, even as you were talking there, um, Tim, about the, the these uh the the hex books. There's there's many books out there that talk about like if you have a certain pain in a certain part of your body, it's it's a physical manifestation of some sort of not necessarily a mental illness, but maybe um, a mental characteristic, let's say. So if you don't feel you can speak up, you might find yourself getting sore throats a lot mm. and things like that, you know, which yeah. I think are very interesting. A lot of psychologists would, would argue that much of the stuff that, that comes in the physical body is from the subconscious kind of finding its way to the surface. You know? I believe it. Like like I we've talked about it on the podcast before, but my like I, I I would class myself as having like a sort of middle tier anxiety that happens mm. a lot and for me it's a lot of health anxiety even yeah, though i'm yeah, yeah. i'm a healthy person um but i've had instances in my life before where i thought i was a lot sicker than i was mm. and in hindsight it turned out to be anxiety and, yeah. and but your body feels yeah my body felt feels that my yeah, body yeah. literally felt it like physically felt it to the point yeah. of where you know, the only reason I noticed that it was something that was more in my head was because there was like drastic changes in how I would feel based on where I was. Like I had mm. a really bad panic attack and I ended up in the hospital because it was the first time I ever had one, didn't know what the fuck was going on. And after having that, as soon as I got there, I felt fine. Mm. And I was like, oh, hang on. Like that was the first time I was What's like, going on here? hang yeah, on here now a second. What is happening here? And then <laughs> I noticed that like over time, so I'll even like say with a doctor's visit sometimes. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm just talking myself into this doctor's visit. Mm. And I'm not actually, I think I'm fine. As soon as I walk into the room, I feel better almost. So I can, I feel it in a sort of a reverse sense, I think, mm. you know. it's be, Yeah, because you're getting reassurance. Because yeah. when you go to the hospital or you go to the doctor and they tell you, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're like, and yeah. you get, you get re- <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's totally like anxiety sort of, you know, um, what would you say? Anxiety, the sequel. But you, uh, <laughs> you'll you get a reprieve from that for a, for a certain amount of time. Because like, oh, the doctor said I'm fine. 12 hours pass and they're like, yeah, but what if the doctor did? <laughs> and it, it doesn't. And it, what you know, if he just, knows I'm anxious and he's just saying? Yeah. What, what if he know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so the yeah, thing about thing. placebos, though, I, I, and I think when we talk about this stuff, is um, I think people, because we're we're you know generally as a society we consider ourselves you know modern and 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 science based mm. and so forth, and and people think of placebos as as a negative thing, but I would say if that cotton cured your grandmother's Style, yeah. that's a great thing. 
Yeah, no matter how it happened. I'll I'll get the details, I'll send them to you, and then Mm -hmm. you can do a follow-up on a Strange Familiars, a little brief thing about what it actually was. Because I'm sure people listening are curious about the actual process. It it, it is, um, yeah, absolutely. I know your dad, the first time I ever got a sty in my eye, your dad made a remedy for me, Rob. Oh, did he? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he made like, it was like a tea bag wrapped in some stuff. I mean, it didn't work, but like he made it for me. You know, it was a nice thing to do. A for but, effort. Uh, a for effort. No, I, I jest, I jest. Um, but uh, it's it's funny, yeah, talking about the superstitious of sort of older Irish women there. This is ringing up because it's it's based in Clonmel, where, where my grandmother was from. She, she wouldn't have been overtly superstitious in terms of talking about it the whole time. But a lot of those older Irish women would have been a very religious, and then b there was a lot of stuff about you know the pukas, the Irish ghosts, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So they they were they were they were kind of like half pagan and and super Catholic, you know. They mm-hmm. were kind of blended into one. But I do remember something from my grandmother when she was quite old, kind of coming to the end of her life when she was in the hospital. She used to talk about my. Or so she used to talk about her brother. I I believe his name was was a Nero Neroy or something like that. I, I just can't remember off the top of my head. But he had died very very young of tuberculosis, and when my father would come to visit her uh, into the hospital, she would talk about how her brother was there and was kind of beckoning beckoning her to come you know, to the next, the next level, the next stage with her. Um, and it was a recurrent thing and it wasn't sort of doting or dreams or anything. She just had this recurrent thing of the, her, her younger brother who was still the same age as he would have been when he would have passed away. They had to keep him down in a shed at the back of the house. Cause it was such a, um, a contagious disease back in those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she would talk about this and in a very kind of an open kind of, Oh yeah, my, my younger brother showed up today. So I think I'm probably, probably not going to be here long. So she'd be talking about like, all right, so you can take this, you'll get that. There's some money in a pot back here. You know, she's very pragmatic about it. Um, But certainly, yeah, it didn't seem strange to her at all, you know? And I think that speaks to the superstitious, uh, the inherent superstitious kind of nature of of a lot of Irish women that were around that age. Half pagan and super Catholic. I, I, I I think I'm going to marry this person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of them in Ireland are still there for sure. Like, yeah, it's that was that was the only way that they got in. They wound up getting Catholicism to take over here. Yeah, because our 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 sort of older you know ancestors they they wouldn't they were like no 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 no. we need to we need a christmas tree we need snowing we need all this stuff um but yeah so we have a lot of sort of pagan stuff mixed in with our catholicism Mm -hmm. um maybe not in you know the the sort of biblical text or anything like that but certainly there isn't there's an irish sentiment um of the ghouls and the god if you like Mm -hmm. cool rabies story since since rob brought up rabies again yeah. There is a cemetery. I love rabies. Then <laughs> I'm a rabies enthusiast. There's a cemetery across the the Susquehanna River, the Great Susquehanna, uh, in a town called Columbia, which is uh, one of my favorite local towns. And in this cemetery is a very old gravestone, and the gravestone shows a dog biting a hand with uh, mm. like blood coming out of his hand, carved. It's just a, a, from like fieldstone, just a rock, and somebody like etched this in with a chisel or something. And the story goes is the, the guy um, who was buried there, he got bit by either a rabid dog or a wolf. This would have been back when there were still wolves in the area. Mm. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure which I'll have to look up the story again, but, uh, he, he knew he had rabies. He knew he was going to die and he carved his own tombstone. Oh Lord. Yeah. So, That's fairly God. dark. I mean, yeah. rabies, you know, I really sort of learned about it recently. I, I sort of re dived into rabies facts and, um, what a horrible way to die. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think people really realize how oh, it's, it's serious rabies awful. is if you catch it. It's, it if you have symptoms, it's too late. You're oh, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. Game yeah. over. And you don't even know if you get it because most of the rabies, things that carry rabies, like really small bats and stuff, if they bite you, say you're asleep in a hammock or you're like you're out, you're out camping or something and, you know, something at night, like the chances of a rabies bat kind of falling on you and acting crazy is a lot higher than a regular bat because bats will obviously mm. try and avoid you. Right. But they've got, their teeth are so small that you don't, sometimes you won't even know you've been bitten. Yeah. And then you might get symptoms yeah. for a year later and then it's too late. You're done. Oh, yeah. Game over. It's too late, yeah. yeah it's, it's a death sentence. And I mean, before there was a vaccine, this would have been this gravestone from the 1700s, I think. Mm. So, you wow. know, no vaccine then. He knew he was going to die. That's the, the tragic mm. thing. And, and he, he yeah. carved his own tombstones. There's a, a big part of the vampire lore is tied in with rabies. Mm-hmm. I was reading about this recently about... Um, blood thirst. And... It's, yeah, blood that people have that like a huge savage hunger for meat when they have rabies. There, there's that recessed gums that bring, you know, the fang sort of imagery. Insatiable um, thirst as well. Like just Insatiable like... thirst. But then your the water makes you sick yeah. after a while. Yeah, it? that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and apparently they said that more men used to get rabies. I guess they're probably out in the land more, which, yeah, yeah. which would stand to reason. Um, but it, it's, it's, it makes you kind of... Um, it's like I don't know Seattle, diet Cialis or whatever. It it it, uh, it makes it made him quite aroused, and that's where they said the Lothario levacious kind of idea of the vampire because vampires are always ah. sexy and stuff like that. Yeah, and they sexy, reckon that's, yeah, that's, that's where it might have come from. Uh, so it's a really interesting, a really interesting one to look at, and then all that stuff about burying people, putting the pins in the coffins, burying them outside of town uh, mm. boundaries. They said as well, it, you know, it was rabies, but they didn't understand rabies. Mm. So they were like, how, how, like, we need to get these people away and this silver will stop them coming back. But really, really interesting stuff. Hydrophobia, they called it That's back, it. back in, mm. the, uh, in wow. the 1800s, I think. Uh, th- I think somebody, I think it was on the Monster Fuzz Discord, somebody shared a video of somebody in the late stages of rabies. I couldn't even watch it. I yeah, no, I just yeah. like, I, I, I couldn't. It's too, it's just. It's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, it is, it's brutal. It's, it's just a horrible way to go. So, folks, you know, watch out for the rabies. Yeah, don't get <laughs> if, there's, if there's one thing we can tell you, it's watch out for the rabies. Stay away from bats, for sure. I live um, with them. I think they're in my house. <laughs> I can't, are they really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, my, 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 yeah, you know, I don't really care that much, but if if you wake up and there's one in the room with you, that's you're, you you got rabies shots because, like you said, you don't know if they bit you or not. So. Yeah, that's uh, there's a, a very funny Irish video that I'll have to send you of um, a bat that flies into an Irish kitchen and like they're trying to chase it out. It's pretty funny, but. I think as well, because that's the thing. So when bats act out of the ordinary, i.e. they end up in a house and they're acting funny or they, they, you know, they're, they land on you or something, chances are then there's something wrong with them. So definitely be diligent about it and um, um, get that get rabies that shot for the for the crack. We have the, 
the large brown bat here, which is the kind that's in our house, they have a 14-inch wingspan, which is mm. okay. It's, wow, it's quite that's impressive. A big bat. Quite yeah, impressive that's a big bat. And that's flying at your head. Wow, but that is yeah, spooky. I can imagine that wow. is spooky. So, have we got anything to add, Tim, for this Halloween seance, this Halloween session that we're having here? Is there ha- happy to Halloween to uh, to everybody listening everywhere. Yeah, I think this is mm. this was good. I think we might have to make this an annual thing, like a Halloween yeah, round table. Yeah. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Yeah, I think this would be cool. I think, Eamon, have you got anything you would like that? No, just a big thanks to you, Tim, first of all, for, for doing the old collab, man. I, I always appreciate it when you're on here, when we're on there. It's so much fun. So it's been great to talk to you again. And uh, a big thanks to everybody who's listening and who continues to listen. We, we really appreciate you so much. Mm-hmm. So you guys are at monsterfuzzpodcast.com. Yeah, and and, mm-hmm. and anywhere you want to find us is just Monster Fuzz podcast or Monster Fuzz on most of the streaming stuff. It's just uh, on on the website. It's podcast after it. But yeah, Instagram, I think, is Monster Fuzz podcast. All those places, yeah. Um, on, the, on the most recent Strange Familiars patron episode, we we uh, told all of our patrons to basically go become your patrons just to mess with Eamon so you'd have to record a, a hundred songs. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to be singing it. <laughs> I have no time. <laughs> He'd be sweating under all the songs. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 cool doing this. This this little Halloween thing is cool. Like, I hope it gets people in the mood. Um, obviously, for yourself as well as us, it's probably our busiest time as podcasters because mm. we kind of have to step it up. Um, oh, yeah. It would yeah. be rude of us not to, because <laughs> it's literally what we spend all year talking about. So when it does come around, I mean, what are we going to do? Fade off? No, we have to do. We, we've done a lot now this month for Halloween. Like we, we've put out, I think, four or five episodes this week. So it's a, it's an intense haul. Mm. Like, um, but it's always fun to talk about, and, and those stories were great. Yeah, really enjoyed them. All right, so it's a date. One year from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, and also before we duck, before we duck, you have to come on for the Alba Twitch episode soon, actually. So your listeners have that to look forward to too, because we, we need to get into the Alba Twitch and yes. you know all about it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I will hit you with a, a an outline for that. So uh, Sounds good. Yeah. Mm, Sounds awesome, good. Awesome. Right. See you guys. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, if you want the Witch Cloud project, you go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com and you can get it there. Uh, besides the books, you can just get the download if you want as well. But I'm begging everyone to get the book. It's really meant to be a book. It's a set. Yeah, a, a book and audio project together. You wouldn't just buy half of a book. No, exactly. <laughs> you, you don't get, want to get the two DVDs set and the one DVD's missing. <laughs> and you get my illustrations in the book and, you know, the patch and the sticker and everything. Very excited about this project. So happy Halloween again. We will be closing with my song, To Sleep With Skeletons. I mentioned that story to Rob and Eamon about the nun scolding me for walking through the graveyard. I've told it on the podcast before, but I mentioned it to them again. And To Sleep With Skeletons is a song I actually wrote about that. So it's pretty much all true. I changed the name of the nun. Actually, I just didn't remember her name. So the name of the nun in the song kind of kind of fit in the lyrics there. So that's what we'll be closing with tonight. It's kind of a Halloween-y song. Thanks again, everybody, for your support. Thanks for listening to Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. 
music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more Stone Breath or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com, which is also where you can pick up The Witch Cloud, Episode 300 Project. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. And you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. And of course, if you want to support the show, you can become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Little Timmy's haunted by the voices of the dead. His brother likes to tell him that it's all up in his head. His mother kneels and prays these words are never said. Little Timmy hears the voices of the dead. Little Timmy listens to the sound of Sabbath speech. Kneeling on Sunday, he hears it from a priest. But lying in his bed, a blacker talk is cast. And wish his words now chill like icy drafts. him all for his soul to save she tells him he will fall down into coffin grim to lie with the skeleton's arms around him Among the headstones singing little songs While his mother mutters Something here is wrong
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.